VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to episode 24 of Remap Radio. Uh, I am your host, uh, Patrick Lovick, because uh, Rob is out on a personal matter uh, this week. We hope to have Rob back very soon. They were on a podcast or on a podcast earlier this week. HOA went out this week. Yeah. We had a stream earlier this week. So Rob is around, and then just sometimes Rob isn't around. Everyone's saying, Where is Rob? I'm always saying this, but <laughs> Rob's not here. If right you're not, um, if Rob's not on screen, you should be asking, "Where is Rob?" <laughs> yeah. I gotta be honest. I think most of the audience does do that. Um, so, because uh, mostly, if Rob's not there, I go, "What's that motherfucker getting up to?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's scheming. suspicious if he's not around. He's scheming. He's scheming, and we've seen what happens when Rob gets to scheming. But fortunately, I've got some other people to uh, scheme with. As you already heard, our producer Ricardo Contreras, and once again, we're. Happy to welcome back Janet Garcia, uh, who, uh, you know, as we learn more and more about her, seems like a a fellow schemer. Maybe somebody that we had to separate from Rob, that perhaps (laughs) the two of them shouldn't be in a virtual room together because I don't know what could happen. I like what purchases could be made if Janet and Rob were left to their own devices. If me and Rob were ever out at the same time, that's when you really got to get scared because we <laughs> bought, you know, one of those Disney timeshares and we're like, you know, if we go once a year, I mean, that's a free family vacation, Patrick. Like, oh my goodness, you know, that is right. That is a Rob. You have, we oh. know you. We know all of you. Right. So th- yeah. picture this, you know, you can take your family, Patrick, and uh-huh. you you don't have to pay for housing. Sure, maybe 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 you send me and Janet back a little bit of the money because we just to cover just to cover the base the base expenses. Wait, are you speaking in a Robin voice yes. right now? Okay, all right. So I just work it through. Yep. And then Keep- boom, there you go. It's already covered. It's already paid for. It's paid for, really. It's a it's it's legacy, Patrick. It's something to hand down to the next generation. Now, will there be a next generation? You know, I, I'm we're not here to talk about that right now. That's my Rob Zachary impression. Wow. I mean, Rob does love history, so I think you're. <sighs> And what, it, what could be more important than creating your own history? Yeah. Right? Like, don't let life define your legacy. Define your own legacy. <laughs> yeah. With a Rob Disney timeshare. Time with a Disney timeshare. <laughs> I don't know, man. And <laughs> oh. I, I know he went to Disney and... My aunt actually does have one of those. And I have been there. And it is like... I'm like, how much is this? Like, <laughs> Don't worry about it. I, mean, I think the how much is it is don't worry about it. I'm like, Where, wait, is it Disney timeshare on the property? Believe yeah. so, right? Yeah. Holy shit! And she has it in um, Disney World, is where hers is. Wow. Assuming she still has it, which I do think she does. Um, yeah. You does it like, Yeah. How big is it? Oh, it's it's pretty. It was pretty sizable. You can get different sizes, and now this is not sponsored by Disney. <laughs> um, you can <laughs> no, you can but, get no. Believe me, believe me, it's not. We spent multiple hours dragging their their uh, restaurant options, but <laughs> they love to sponsor me before I go in the spring. You know, feel as free. Crossplay. News. Disney did not reach out to me to to plug this very specific unavailable item, but you can get different ones. Like the different, you know how they have like sort of like 
what's a non-gamer word for the biomes the sections right of the because they have like the, the animal kingdom one. like you can get yeah. like um, a room that's like super I think it bougie is a like biome. i think biome is a word that existed before video games but we often <laughs> like, use it to describe yeah like, yeah we're gonna talk about jusant later and it's like well yeah. that game's got biomes like i went from like the blue one to the yes. desert one yeah. like, also uh, has, but there's also a blue one <laughs> um Games are a lot of the same area, you know. It's a mm. uh, Ben Hansen once said every game starts on a beach and ends in a factory, and ever since then I've never looked at games the same. Oh, Almost shit. so many <laughs> games start uh. on a beach and end in a factory. Um anyway, yeah, you can get different ones. So she has like a more normal one, like it's not themed. Like you can get like a wild like Animal Kingdom style one where there's like drafts outside your window and stuff. But um, <laughs> people just be yeah. spending money on anything. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm out here in the pre-show getting like dragged across the ground for like paying for a COVID test yeah. instead of going to the public library to get a free one. Mm-hmm. And people are out here getting Disney time yeah. where there's a giraffe outside your window at all times. But see, it's, it's my aunt, you know, my Puerto Rican aunt. So it's inspiring, you know, it's aspirational. Oh, um, we're still in the okay. era where all like right. when, when we reach those statuses, it's like, wow, Damn. one of us, one of one us of made, us it, made out it out there. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> 100%. You know, a, a rising tide raises all. I always mess that up, but you know, yeah, raises um, all Disney timeshares or something. Yeah. So we stayed there when um we went to Disney for the first time, Disney World, and that was quite a few years ago, like 2018 or something. Uh, and we went with her to like stay there. Um, but yeah, she has it, and she like has like lets f- friends use it at times to kind of like offset the cost of like paying for it. I forgot how much it is, but you like. It's kind of basically like owning a home. Like you pay, you have like a like a Disney. <laughs> I don't know Disney if it's Disney home. mortgage officially, but it's kind of eh, like it's not, a big, not far like, off. When you start describing thing. it yeah. in sentences, it sure sounds. But it's like it's a mortgage, awesome. <laughs> and it's so convenient. And then you just go, and you know, you leave like at the bottom, and then you just like but either I forgot if you. I think you do still take like a little one of the buses or whatever, and they have like different ones that have like again the fancier ones like will have like pools and then you can have like the breakfast and stuff there and there's character breakfast and like characters come out and they do a little conga line and you can eat your mickey mouse pancakes it's a fun time i'm not gonna lie i'm like you know what i'm enjoying capitalism today i'm not gonna lie i'll buy these beers Uh, I mean, I fuck capitalism and also go home, but I'll, you know, I'm here. What am I supposed to do? I was born into it. Don't tag tag me. Don't tag me in here. But uh, I'm having a fun time. I'm not going to lie to you. No, believe believe me. Like, I'm a socialist. I'm a socialist. But like, I'm here. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Like, I'm going to hate the pancakes. So I can't have Dole Whip now? (laughs) Oh, damn. the Dole Whip? Like. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I, anyway, we're we're here to talk about games. I think. Eh, I don't know. I was going to say I, I don't even know if I could. You know, I would love to have a Disney timeshare friend like your aunt, but uh, uh, I'm dealing with a, a thing at home. It's okay. This is more of a kid thing, but oh, um, okay. I'm sure you lice. Mm. Oh my god, that is mm. rough. Just, so just it's so not. Go ahead. So here's the point of okay. So the kids that my friends are best friends with, they live down the street. Yeah. One of those girls uh, that were they played with my kids two days ago for about half an hour. Not a ton of contact, but in our home. Day later, one of those girls gets sent home from school. Lice was detected in the classroom. And then they found it in her hair. So my wife, having grown up constantly getting lice from a certain parents were divorced. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a certain family member they went to, and basically sure. it was 
so dirty and problematic that every time they came back, basically you went to the garage because after like the third time they brought it lice home. It was like, okay, okay, okay. I don't know what's going on at that house, but clearly there's lice everywhere and you're staying in the garage. We're disinfecting you before you come into the house. So she sure. was like, the possible, like, is it possible? Or is it likely that the lice like jumped in that half an hour, like to our house? Like probably not, but we're going to act like it's the next world war. And like all of us, like hair, shower, like special shampoo. Uh, so we went through the whole rigmarole. But I've I've never had. We haven't found it in our kids, so I actually think sure. we're fine. We did the bed sheets, but was it was either, was lice a thing for either of you growing up? No, no, thank God. Kata was Kata yeah. was shaking their head. <laughs> I definitely had lice multiple times. It, it ripped through our. That's school. so scary. It. The, the, I, I, the only thing I can remember from being a kid is seeing the long line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where, like, they'd sit waiting kids get, down. <laughs> the school nurse is like, you go home. You're good. Like, going through all their scalps. I took one small piece of solace from those days is that, like, when I didn't have lice and it was time to do that, I was like, I'm sure I'm sure I'm free. It, like... They use these little sticks to kind of like part your hair and it just kind of feels nice. Kind of like when you like, kind of just like, <laughs> you're, you know, run you your like nail against your scalp. you like out in third grade? It's you're like, like oh, thank God, yeah. I really needed this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a wild time. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I changed school like three times in, in elementary school because of oh, wow. like uh, different, uh, what's it called? Gifted programs starting up and shutting down within my like local area oh, so that's terrible. i had to keep moving so i was maybe a little stressed as a kid <laughs> just like oh, i don't no. know anyone here anymore oh, <laughs> like this is so sad. uh but it was looking the same but just shorter like how it, they like, make yes exactly <laughs> where i know you didn't look like like how you look now and then just tinier but yeah in my mind yes um but you know you take you take the silver linings where you can find them. Like it's like it feels nice to have your your scalp kind of like slightly like. Yeah, when my my wife was putting in this putting the soap in, I yeah. was getting a like a full head massage. Yeah, and she pointed that out. She's like, you know, in theory, there could be little bugs in your hair right now, laying eggs. But don't think about think that it this one. way. How good does this feel right now? That's, you know, that is true. That does, this does feel pretty good right That's now. Rough. Well, um, I'm glad that so far. Nothing seems to be cropping up in your household, so. Yeah, good. yeah, it's like, yeah, it seems, I mean, because it can get bad, right? Like, yeah. you can have to, you know, like, especially young kids with, like, all their stuffed animals and things like that. Like, it's just, uh, I've had bed bugs before, but not, enough, was, not since I've had kids. Uh, I was that thinking was about was that next, because now that's, like, new fear unlocked, especially with, um, you know, for those that might not be familiar, uh, Paris is having, like, a bed bug. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I've been... You know, we're we're here, but you know how the world works. There's other, people move around. People move around. And yeah. they just had Paris Fashion Week not too long ago. And I live in L.A. And I'm like, I'm guessing <laughs> there are people who are from L.A. that went to Paris Fashion Week and are coming back. And so, yeah, um, yeah we've been like, I mean, we're mostly like pretty on. Like when we travel, like my partner always checks like the bed for, you know, the signs of if there's bed bugs before you like unpack our stuff. Um I, on the other hand, was like, I think when I went to PAX with myself, I just, just got in. Like, yeah, I don't, I got it. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. That's, that sounds awesome. I'm really glad that your partner's proactive. Never in my life. And I've had bed bugs. Like, I'm not, I'm You've not checking them? that stuff. Also, 
Yeah, yeah, we had it. We had him in San Francisco in our first apartment. Mm. Oh um, my god! And discovered it in like one of the most you know. My wife is very sensitive to mosquitoes and other other bug yeah. bites, so she's uh-huh. always the first sign of an issue right. with a bug or a bite because they just seem to go after her and her skin just reacts uh, more than mine does. But uh, you know, you just look at your sheets and it's like, wow. There's blood. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, where's that is. blood from? Looking around. I was just, I was. Well, just... I guess not from us. Uh, <laughs> it's from the bugs. From and, the bugs. and the thing is, um, the landlord would not like, didn't know, like he didn't want to pay to have everybody's apartment in that like area clean. It's like, we got to figure out where it's coming from. I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. We got to figure out where it's coming from. He's like, well, there's like a couple of strategies. And I was like, we're always uh, a community when, <laughs> when the check comes. Suddenly it's, it's, <laughs> we're all in this together now. Yeah. So what we ended up doing was putting down double sided tape on the floor around the bed. And then you mm. can see essentially where the army is <laughs> like marching oh, in. Wow. And it was very clearly coming from one wall to one closet from one, like the apartment next to us. And then finally, uh, they decided to to fumigate the the adjoining uh, apartment and, and got it cleaned up. It's like why didn't what? So there's a lot of hoops to jump through to, to get to get my um, shit cleaned. But reason, I could sh- literally show you the bed bugs are there. The reason I, I I was surprised that you had them had had them, Patrick, is that having them is what caused me to start doing that thing every time I go anywhere travel anywhere. I'm always checking for yeah. bed bugs because it was such a fucking horror show. When we had them, um, they got into our fucking clothes. We had to like, uh, yeah, yeah. Every, and it, but like, then you have to like put every like, you have to clean them in the yeah. dryer in a specific that's, way, right? That's actually uh-huh. too what I was looking into like the recommendations for safer travel, like for avoiding bed bugs, and that was one thing they mentioned, like taking all of your clothes and immediately putting them in the dryer on high heat. Yeah. But then the only problem with that, you know, again, pre-show, like me and Kata were talking about fashion, is I'm like, <laughs> I have some stuff that says don't tumble don't, dry. Don't fucking dry <laughs> that shit. It's going to fuck it up. What do I do? You, yeah, you, like, you wear it and then you throw it out the, right you, into the trash. Yeah. Well, you, like, put it in an air, you put it in an airtight fine. bag and they will eventually suffocate, I think, after th- three years. <laughs> <laughs> In the long game, are you doing? I like to imagine I, there's wow. the, the, the newly revealed Kato paranoia over bed bugs, yeah, and then the new lore dropping about well, they'll die from lack of oxygen over several years. That Kato has like bags and bags of different Look. items. Tagged Wait. with different timers, accounting down like, Surely oh, I love this shirt. I, I two and a half years from now, I get to wear it again. Surely three years is not. I don't think it's it, not it it true, right? It's, it's got to be less than time. It's a long time, though. It's at least a, a long year. Time. Why are they? Why can they breathe for so long? I don't no. know. Is it they're tiny. Is it they're so small that yeah, okay, I understand now. Yeah, mm. I think you can freeze them. Okay. Uh, that's another thing that we did was put a bunch of stuff in the freezer that we didn't want to dry. Like we had a bunch of jeans oh. that we didn't want to just put into the dryer, so we yeah. put it in the freezer. And apparently, at a certain temperature, they do eventually die. In a freezer okay. at zero degrees for two to three days, you can kill them. In a plastic you bag on its own. Ignorant question. How cold is my freezer normally? Because <laughs> I don't know I think it's, it's zero. Below, it's, well, it's well, zero degrees Celsius, right? Because that's freezing for... Oh. 
I don't know if this is Celsius. I don't know. Blog, where are you from? God damn it. They didn't a say year. anything. A year. A year. Okay, a, a year. year. But it's a full year. They, like, yeah. The EPA recommends a year. It's actually probably less than that. They just recommend. A year. A year, yeah. To be sure. So, yeah, a whole ass year if you leave your. Right now, I'm, I have ha- some clothes in bags for different reasons. Y'all know the, the, the wasps, right? Oh, I, well, no. Uh, God, we can't do this again. <laughs> I mean, it's a really infected podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't have brought it up. I I knew that I needed to talk about the fucking wasps again. Y'all are living it like the end in the end of days. Yeah, it is. We got lice. We got wasps. Uh, What what other bed bug? What other uh, strange creatures of the of the night and the dark can we? Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Talk about different creatures of the night. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll uh, begin this, uh, the you know, actual discussion of the podcast where, unfortunately, we always seem to be uh, beginning it uh, lately, which is uh, there were uh, layoffs at Ubisoft Montreal. Um, uh, roughly 98 people uh, were uh, laid off, uh, according to a report from Kotaku. Uh, as always, it's characterized as a reorganization. Um, uh, there's a, the, the quote from uh, Ubisoft that was given to Kotaku. Ubisoft is proceeding with a collective dismissal. Oh boy, those are fun terms. In its Montreal establishment within the framework of a reorganization of its production support services across Canada. By consolidating these functions Canada-wide, Ubisoft will be able to optimize its resources to be more sustainable in the long term. Those words are horrifying. Like, yeah. every, like, the uh, create uh, tell me it's created by an AI. I feel better about it if that was the case as opposed to and you know what <laughs> I can see that being an HR thing. Where it's like AI, uh, please generate new, increasingly <laughs> crass way Yo, to dehumanize. Hundred percent, hundred percent. My sister in law was talking to us uh, a while back about how like she can tell now that like half of her colleagues are just doing that for like every email they send. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she works at an NGO. And so it's like just regular ass people are like, I don't want to wa- write this email. I don't know how to write just AI. Do it for me. It's like a totally Damn. normal innocuous email. And she's like, they just hey, don't want to fucking do it. Are you free for lunch? Just tell them no. Just tell them no. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, IGN had reported uh, back in September uh, that this the studio actually had had uh, some other issues uh, related to its return to office policy, which is obviously something that has uh, been an issue across the, the industry as different companies have tried to figure out how they are handling. Post COVID is the wrong way, but as to, to phrase it, but obviously we've entered a different sort of stage of the pandemic, um, and different companies are trying to not just in games, but sort of writ large, uh, get folks back into the office to justify the expensive real estate uh, that they have purchased and then suddenly uh, are, are getting uh, plenty of quality games made without people being in there. And so, you know, it's it. I feel like there's not a ton to say, unfortunately, about what happened at Ubisoft Montreal other than it sucks and seems to continue a trend. And uh, I do want to, uh, I thought it was worth quoting from uh, Rebecca Valentine, a reporter over at uh, IGN, uh, who wrote, uh, I thought, I thought the statement around these Ubisoft layoffs was pretty gross as it was. And then I saw a press release literally directly above Ubisoft statement in my inbox, advertising the launch of Assassin's Creed 3D printed NFTs, which is just, what, what the fuck? <laughs> Isn't uh, the point of the NFT that it's not real? So why would you? Yeah, it print? 
But like, but I guess is... the idea there is that the 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 digital object is the one that's worth money, but then yeah. you want a version of it in the in the real right. world. The digital but, object is the the model that then you can three D print for yourself if you want. Ah, <sighs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, it is. Uh, this continues to be an ongoing uh, part of of video games, uh, despite how successful so many of them have been this year and in recent years, and especially over COVID, where. Um, video games especially were uh, kind of took off uh, even more than, than they have uh, before because of the nature of how people were kind of organizing themselves and spending their free time. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. These these bets made by executives, high-level finance people at, at companies like Ubisoft end up just impacting people trying to do their jobs. And I my guess is we will hear more of that uh, going forward. Um, uh, in, in news that is sort of related, but uh, is more... Positive, uh, you know, the uh, the folks, uh, several folks that used to work at Kotaku, uh, including uh, one of our former colleagues, uh, Gita Jackson, uh, who worked over at Motherboard and did a number of collaborations with us uh, at Waypoint. Uh, uh, Chris Pearson, Luke Plunkett, uh, Riley uh, uh, McLeod, uh Nathan Grayson, uh, Gita, uh, and then also with uh, uh, Luke Plunkett over at Kotaku, they have formed Aftermath, uh, which is a new worker-owned uh, website built on the same uh, platform that Defector uh, is built on, which is itself an ex-Gawker uh, uh, website that was formed a couple of years back. The uh, the five of them are co-own this new uh, venture called Aftermath, which is over at aftermath.site. Uh, um, and it's really exciting. They are joining an increasing group of people, including as the escapist sort of imploded this week although sometimes i'm reminded the escapist still exists which is not to undermine <laughs> the escapist it's just sort of it's heyday was a while ago and then i'm always surprised like oh just a little bit sometimes a number of them have formed uh, a new thing called second wind um but it's you know it sort of falls in you know, falls in the footsteps of what we've done here at Remap, what other folks uh, are trying uh, to do across media, not just in video games, but of trying to get out of the thumb of these really exploitative media companies and seeing if there's a world where you can forge your own your own path, which is, you know, as folks that have been able to successfully do that so far, I'll knock on some things uh, here at Remap. It's, <laughs> this fake IKEA wood we have over here. So yeah, I, just, I know it is. That, it always bothers me. It's like I know this is an IKEA desk. I don't. I don't know. This is. I, don't know I think my desk might of. be real wood. If all right, well, so when Janet's on, and I need I to into... say knock on wood. Yeah, we have. Or I can just to potentially go like all the here. way over here. I'm sure you that's can get it out of the mic. Like, that's, that's actual a nice wood. Table. Like that's a real table uh, over there. But this is uh, bamboo. They told me it was it's bamboo. bamboo. They told me it was sure. bamboo. Sure, bamboo is a knock on bamboo. I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh Janet, what do you what do you make of all these oh, all these movements this, in the in this the media is, space? Well, two things. One, um, it's a little funny hearing like mapping out the names, right? Where it's like aftermath, like here remap, like then there's Second uh, Wind. Escape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all very like like you thought I was dead, but I still I rise <laughs> a little bit. Um but you know, I, I think this is so exciting. I mean I mean, I have like hippie tendencies, so like I always love when people do their own shit. Um, I love when people are like, you know what? I left that job. I was like, yeah, you go, you live your dreams. Like I'm just, I'm a dreamer. <laughs> I love stuff like that. Um, and and overall, I I don't know. I get really hyped about people um, pursuing 
their joy, um, getting to continue in, in doing what they love uh, in an industry that often pushes aggressively back on people even being in it. So I, I woke up and I saw this news and I was like, I got hit with such a wave of energy. Like, you know, I, I had posted about this on the site norm, formerly known as Twitter.com. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like last night I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like I still got on. But I was just kind of in a, in a down mood. And I'm like, all right, like, let's try to get up early and get some stuff done. And I saw this news and I just got so excited to work and exist in that day. Because I think... You know, we don't know what the future holds. Everybody involved in any of these ventures knows how difficult it is to exist, to have longevity, to uh, face problems that you can't even conceptualize when you launch something. But regardless of all of that, today, this moment, it's just all good, you know? And I really hope the Aftermath team and any of these teams that are launching this really sit in the joy and the celebration of what the moment means um and how hard it is to do and and i hope they're really feeling the pride and joy that they should feel for doing something that so few people do and even on like a smaller scale like even talking like because there's like a lot of smaller indie sites that exist from like freelancers people launching their own like blogs their own like patreons whatever like no matter your size like obviously i know some writers out there don't have like the clout of some of these people behind these projects but like even when it's your thing, like do it up, lean into the launch, be excited about it. Like we get so few moments in this industry and in life to really sit and enjoy and appreciate and celebrate and, and have something just be good with no asterisk. And I feel like the launch of aftermath was one of those days in the industry. Um, and it, and it felt good to be like a part of it from the outside looking in, like just the vibes of it. Um, getting to see people share the work, getting to see um, other outlets writing about it. Um, obviously, any industry, any room, any whatever, any fandom, there's going to be bad people in it. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that everyone who works in games media is like so great and we all like love each other and we're all best friends. Like that's not the reality. But at the same time, there is immense camaraderie among like minded peers. And I think, you know, we all want to see each other win. And I think Aftermath launching, like, there were writers who were like looking around like, oh, man, that's so cool. Like, should I do that? Should we do that? And I'm not saying that, you know, you have to decide that for yourself, right? I'm not saying everyone should do that because that is very dependent on you, what you have going on, what you want in your career. But there are people who, and that's what I, you know, I hope the Aftermath staff is reflecting on. Like there are people seeing them, you know, post this blog, post this article, post this interview, and they're inspired, you know, they're moved by that. Like it means so many things to so many different people. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my reaction to it. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, re hitting up the site, reading the site. Um, I skimmed through a bit of uh, Gita's Alan Wake piece. I didn't fully read it only because I'm not done with the game either. So I'm like, yep. maybe I shouldn't be reading this yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to get a little just taste. Gonna wait. Just going to wait. <laughs> I'm just going to get a little taste. Because um, yeah, I mean, I, I followed all the writers prior to them launching the site. But um, as I tweeted out, I'm like, look, I followed all y'all already. Not trying to play favorites, but I'm not gonna lie, I did pop hard seeing Gita's name on there because <laughs> I feel like I don't know. I like I love Gita, I love all these writers, but like it's just exciting to to see writers have a, a space and a platform that's theirs. But um I'm also looking forward to uh finishing um was it Luke Plunkett's uh Starfield blog about Starfield's coffee situation. Yes, I'm Rob so was into very that. Rob was very uh was overjoyed. Yes. Uh Luke was already trying to uh 
lifting screenshots from like Spider-Man 2's uh, coffee uh, situation. Be like, please get me in touch with someone modeled this. You know what I mean? Like an yeah. idea is here. I need to talk to this person. <laughs> like I love the um, I love that kind of stuff in games. And I think, you know, seeing an article like that, I'm like, yeah, like this is so my sensibility like I get to enjoy it without having to do the work of having to write it so thank you Luke for your work <laughs> because I'm like yeah like I've been thinking about that kind of stuff all the time or like how I you know I spent a lot of time in, in dead space looking at all the hamburgers that are on that ship and it's like Ooh. yeah someone here to covering you know what what to me is very <laughs> front of mind uh, and obviously there's more uh serious and, and like critical high level analysis pieces but I think there's definitely a space for this stuff too and I and I love stuff like this and I'm I don't know. I'm just excited for it. So congrats to the team for, uh, you know, their work in, in launching Aftermath and uh, same to the escapist folks, you know, hoping them to find success and all that. I don't know that team as much, so I have right. like, less to say on that. Right. But um, yeah, assuming that y'all are cool, I hope you, <laughs> you do well. Like, I, I mean, don't it's, actually it's, know you it's, it's, You know, you to, know? Your, to your point, like the regardless of like your personal attachment to or knowledge of any of these individual writers or video creators, it's what's encouraging is whether these individual ventures are successful or however successful. Like I feel like they're by virtue of launching, by virtue of putting yourself out there, that is a a success in and of itself, whether it becomes financially sustainable to be a hobby or a part-time job or a full-time job where that acts like whether it could scale to like pay multiple writers and contractors like that's i don't know these projects are are so early it's impossible uh to say but the fact that they exist suggests alternate paths to stay in this line of work because i think this has been the problem in sort of like the pipeline in the past which has been how it has worked for most of my career has been once you get in the door like once you get a job, doesn't matter what website or publication, like once you're in there, like you play a game of musical chairs where when yours is up and yours is going to be up, you just know that I've started a place, I get two to three years, like four to five, I'm lucky, but like this is going away. But then when I'm like, I need a job, someone you'll have met, you'll have networked at these events, you'll have met enough people when you're in and like, if you're reliable if people like you, there will be a job for you. And that was that was true for me at every difficult venture up until the most recent one. And that has increasingly gotten like that is th- that that like vice has turned tighter and tighter and tighter, like over like the last five to ten years, where increasingly, especially as people age up, their responsibilities in life change. They're not necessarily a 20-something that can just they should be paid more, but can get by on being paid less. And that becomes less of something that is sustainable once you have partners or children or pets, like, or uh, own a place, like whatever the case may be, your life circumstances change, taking care of a, you know, a parent, like you just need access to more capital to make shit work. Those people get squeezed out and then sent into work behind the scenes in games. And not that there isn't fruitful work. Lots of people probably did that and are happier yeah. for it. There are lots of downsides to working in games media, especially working corporate gigs. But I wasn't ready to go there yet, even if I felt like I was facing that door in this most recent uh, juncture for me personally. And so I'm rooting for Aftermath. I'm like rooting for second. I root for all of these because they suggest other paths yeah. forward Beyond just, well, I'm good at talking into a microphone, so I could probably do PR 
Uh, and, and that's fine. Like if that's the path you want to go down, but if you don't, um, we have just lost so many voices over the years to different facets of the games industry or left games and games entirely because the, the industry couldn't support it. And this is a direct extension of our conversation around, um, labor and the layoffs. Like it's all feels wildly unsustainable because it is all built around huge bets on unsustainable financial models, uh, an endless pursuit of profit. Whereas, look, like we want to make money at Remap so we can do cool shit. But at the end of the day, if we could like match what people need to live and have leisure, and like r- uh, like rise that with the cost of inflation, like everyone's happy. Like it's it's like we that is sustainable. The like Remap if we were told, share, yeah. but the equivalent of that is like something that came up at vice when when we were there which this was not told to us directly but was filtered down through different managers was well like you you guys should be thinking about like well what's the plan to double your subscribers it's like that plan doesn't fucking exist because we can't do that like what's the problem with having the subscribers we have now that makes us profitable and everyone's paid and we can just do the work it's like well but eventually more it's like but like no and <laughs> like so so to exist in a world where that is not a consideration or the more is out of our own desire uh like what we want to do mm-hmm. as opposed to and it's also like can be sustainably thought of and cultivated it's just it makes me very excited because there was a very realistic possibility that voices like Gita who are like incredibly talented individuals my, if you had asked me, what's my bet? I was like, my bet is Gita finds a job doing something else and is much happier for it. And we lose Gita as a writer and a critic, which would be a tragedy and would upset me. But like their happiness is worth more like, like than, than, right. than like, like writing a, like a, a stellar Baldur's Gate 3 review like they did earlier this year. So hope I'm rooting for Aftermath to be able to provide that kind of stability where a critic like Gita can do this without having to spend every day looking over their shoulder at an executive being like, well, you don't really fit the model anymore. Yeah, I think, too, just to um, emphasize your point earlier where it's like, yeah, there's like a lot of, you know, validity and great work to be done in, in the PR space, the community manager space, all these other spaces that are unfortunately also undervalued. Like, I definitely yeah. don't want to make it sound like, oh, and then life can be regular and normal if you're like nope. in you know because it that definitely isn't the case but um you can get yelled at by a bunch of different yes. people yeah. when you're working <laughs> exactly <laughs> a, diff- a different bad right um yeah yeah but i i do want to emphasize that i also do agree with your sentiment which is and you know kind of clarify what that sentiment is which is that unfortunately while i have seen people say you know what i this is no longer worth it for me i don't get right the enjoyment out of it the joy i get is offset by the cons of what the games media life is so i genuinely like want to make a pivot to something else and i think that's great and i and a lot of them do find greater happiness and and peace totally uh in that but i've also known writers and i'm sure you have too where whether explicitly or implicitly you know that they were sort of forced out and they're like well i'm gonna make I think I, I think I can be happy doing something else, but it's not. I it's not by choice. I'm, it's I'm by circumstance. Pursuing, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's by circumstance, and I think the um, for some people the pivot either to either to a different sector within games or a different um, field entirely, like maybe something you know in, in entertainment or just like another kind of 
division. It kind of reminds me of that scene from, I forget which Oceans movie it is. So if you guys remember the number, let me know. But where um, they're talking about, he's, he's like, does, you know, he like meets his ex-wife and he's like, um, does he make you laugh? And she says, he doesn't make me cry. And it's like, damn, damn. you know? And that's games media. Like, that's, that's, you know, like you'll, you'll leave and yeah. you'll need to do something else. And it's like, does he make you laugh? He doesn't make me cry. And like, sometimes that's enough. You know, sure that that obviously sports for the movie. She gets back with them, which I think is very like, okay, a guy wrote this scene, right? She's yeah. like, that's my husband. I'm like, really? Like, I can see you leaving the other guy, but like going back to your ex-husband, like why? Because he robbed somebody? <laughs> anyway, that, those are separate issues in in that Oceans film. Um, anyway, but yes, that, that sentiment I think is very true for a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, you know. Anyway, but this well, is a good thing, and this is great. So, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, hundred percent. You know, and I was, you know, curious. A needed you, win. A needed win, yes. Like, and 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 it's good to see more of them. But you know, you yourself have been like, and still are like yeah. broadly a freelancer. You know, yeah. bouncing between different things, juggling a bunch of different plates. Ours kind of funnies, min max, like, and then your own thing, which is why I wanted to ask because yeah. like it, it fits within this broader thing of like who am I? What is like my brand? Like what are the things I'm building on myself, which is pen to pixels, which we definitely encourage people to, to check out at pen to pixels.com. But like, how did you conceptualize this thing that is separate from, cause there's like the brand that is Janet Garcia. Yeah. Like this is what I share on social media. This is my presence on these other things. And then there's pen to pixels, which you run, but is, you know, it has a different branding, a logo, yeah. a vision. I'm, I'm, how did, how did you sort of conceptualize that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it's the idea of just making something. I want something more general because I wanted the option to expand. Like currently I'm the only one writing for it. It's been that way for forever. Um, I do think I want to finally build a budget and like get a couple people that aren't me. Um, so spoilers for the future. Um, <laughs> and part of that is just, it's funny because and I'll, I'll talk more about it when I actually do it. Cause I do think that's going to be a 2024 thing for me where for a while, I was sort of hesitant to do that because I was sort of putting it on a pedestal on what it needs to be. I'm like, yeah, well, how much money can I even get? And I want to pay like at least a solid rate that isn't like totally terrible. And then like, what would that, you know? So I was kind of putting up all these mental roadblocks on what that would be and sort of make like in my mind, like I didn't want to do it if it wasn't like, I don't know, I'll make it up right. A $5,000 to $10,000 budget that can have like this many articles and then the articles have to be really good. So then I have to find really good writers, but then I have to be a good editor and then I have to, you know, and what if someone does a review and I'm like, oh, but then I don't agree with the review, but then I just got to get to something, you know, I started like kind of really sort of spiraling on like, oh, this has to be like the number one best critical website ever. And I, and I do want to pursue the idea of high level criticism and good stuff. But the other day I, it, I sort of realized the best thing it could be is just existing. Just that if another small website that pays, you know, a hundred plus bucks for something and you could write and get money that isn't, you know, free or $10 or something ridiculous that uh, yeah, exposure. exist. Yes. <laughs> um, in this space, I'm like, that would be the good thing. Like I sort of had like a, like a, um, a revelation, I guess you'd call it where I'm like, yeah, like I need to do this. Like, even if it's, even if next year it's like, you know, I get one other person that writes one other review like that would be a good thing for the industry to have. Um, so I'm going to try to do that. Um, but yeah, I wanted it to be open ended where it could grow if I wanted to or have other things. And frankly, for like the build and the branding um, and the name and everything, like I brainstormed just with my family and I feel like my partner may have picked out the name 
And he did the logo design. He did the website design. Everything you see, he built custom made, like through something that I don't understand. So yeah. So then after that, I'm like, cool. Just Have they done the logos assets. before? Or was that just like, I need someone to build a logo. You're my most efficient way to get this done. Um, uh, he, I mean, yeah, he had, I mean like, you know, um, I feel like he'd be, well, I don't know if he'd be embarrassed, but like, I think he's just like immensely talented. Obviously my bias is that like, I love this person, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Look at the shit. Doesn't make you cry. Blaze. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I think genuinely like it at least looks solid. Like you might not be in love, you know, maybe you think, Oh, the, the logo's too small, though, or whatever. Something like that. Oh, like, I, I think, think those it looks are good. Valid criticisms. But, like, look at that and tell me that doesn't look like a real website. You can't. You know? It's <laughs> like, yeah, he he did that. You know, he does um his, like, own stuff. So, like, he's made... I think he's... I don't think he's formally killed it, but he has a site that's, like... It's kind of like Letterboxd. It's called Movie Otter. But he's not doing that anymore. Um, He has photomo.io. So, he's done, like, design for that. So, he's... He is mostly um back end web developer but does some front end stuff and he also like putzes around with design and things and has like dabbled in a million other stuff casually because he's i don't know good at what he does so yeah so he has i I would say he has a background in it but it's not like his direct job and he doesn't do like a lot of freelance stuff for people he has in the past though like his friend um quasi who made this game called shotgun farmers like i believe he either worked on like the revamp of his site for his game or like was going to so he'll do some things here and there but yeah um so he's experienced but he's not like if i went like on the internet and said like i want a designer like he's not a designer by trade yeah yeah, it's kind of like how like i can make i can make thumbnails but i'm definitely not like i not 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 enough where i'm I'm like i'm not selling that as like a thing i do though i will say he's not a merch designer but kato does our merch you know what (laughs) i mean like an extension of that like, like kind of has a history, you know, a background in art. And it's like, all right, well, exactly. can you do a t-shirt? I know you didn't go to college for that, but like, I feel like you gotta be able to figure it out. Yeah. yeah that's kind of in, in that vein. So that's sort of why, how that all came to fruition. Um, so yeah. Um, and then I, I run that I have, and then it's, I don't know. It's like, it's that funny thing. And I tell people this all the time. It's like, if you want to do something like just do it and then then say you're doing it. And then now it's true. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, the owner and CEO of whatever. It's like, it sounds, it sounds a little silly because it's like, oh, this little site that I just tabbed over to and we built. But like, that's true. Like, yeah. it is like a fact. It is like a, okay, if we dig into this, it's like, I'm the owner and operator and sole writer. It's like, whatever, right? But like, that's that's my outlet. Well, it's yours, right? Yeah. Like, because so much as a writer, you're, uh, and this is true of all labor more generally, is like, your identity gets wrapped up in the company that yeah. you work for in a really unhealthy way in which, you know, I've worked at many different places over the course of my career, but it wasn't really until remap. Like I've done this since I was 14, you know, like I turned 39 in February, but it's not until remap. Like it's pre me uh, become a professional writer where I made my own websites on places like GeoCities. And then the moment I exit that, I work for one up and it's not until remap that like I wholly built something myself, like with my colleagues, but like, I th- this is mine. Like I did this. It was before I was a professional writer. And then when I've been doing a professional writing for way too long <laughs> and like it took 20 plus years to get to a point where my identity is not wrapped up in a thing yeah. that I don't own. Um, yeah. And that's a long journey to get there. But I think it's like the difference between, you know, obviously there's a, a vast difference between pen to pixels and remap, but I think the uh, intention is the same, and what's satisfying about it is the same, no matter the scale. Is and I think this applies to all sorts of creative endeavors. Is it's yours, right? Yeah. Like, like it's your, like it can be whatever you want it to be, and whether that's a hobby or it's P 
paying your bills, like it's sort of like those are different things. But at the end of the day, you know, being able to say that you're like whatever you want to call it, the president or the CEO, like that's, that's <laughs> fucking cool. Like, yeah. like, 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 like say I'm like, like a co-owner of a thing or like a partner, like this, this shit's cool. Like it yeah. is cool. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gives you an investment in it in, in a way that is just impossible compared to, you know, just being a an employee at a place. That said, there for sure. come all sorts all sorts of benefits of working for an employee oh, yeah. at a place where just like the check just shows up. Wow, those taxes just get taken care of. All four hundred one k it just matches. Oh wow, that's interesting. I know. Like, I'm like <laughs> I'm like starting. To, I'm at that point where it's like you know you like read articles and it's like you should start saving for your retirement like in your twenties and I'm like it's thirty. Is it okay? Am I gonna? Am I gonna be okay? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, start. Oh, well, now. time to die. You haven't. You haven't started saving. It's like you know, uh, pen to pixels. Uh, eight. You know, uh, Janet when she's eighty. You know, like Someone's still gonna just flip the switch. Yeah, just crushing away. Kingdom Hearts forty two. Uh, hey man, no, they don't, they, someone they, had they don't to. Look, they don't be on Kingdom Hearts five by then. Um, uh, you're in, you're yeah, in. I mean, I feel like we could go on this kind of topic forever. So I'll kind of end it with this. Um, I think, too, having your own thing besides just, like, the joy of the ownership over it, the freedoms that that comes with, it's also, like, sort of a little bit of insurance, which, like, I know it you shouldn't have to work outside of, like, your regular job, but frankly, like, I've known a lot of people that, you know, maintain a little side project or side gig or stream or whatever they want to do, and obviously, again, you should do that because you want to and not because you feel like you need to, but at the same time, like, to your point of the musical chairs thing, like, that's still pretty true in the industry, and it doesn't hurt to have regardless of your size whether you're at a big outlet or just freelancing it's nice to have some things that are you know they're yours and no one can take them away from you they can't go un- like like if pen to pixel shutters like i manually close it down you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah i i don't have to worry about like what about my tunic review is that gonna get lost to the ether no one's gonna it's like okay you know <laughs> um yeah so it's it's good for those reasons as well. And then when I was freelancing and trying to pitch, which I was not very successful at pitching because I'm like, this is a lot of work. I don't know. I don't it's have a lot hard. of ideas. It's hard. Pitching pitching itself is its own. The freelancers I know that live off pitching, I'm like, you're. how are you so good at what you do? Um, <laughs> but I would always make it too. You could always make it like your pitch graveyard. Like if you can't get a review or um, mm. a feature somewhere and you want to do it go do it. Like, you know, no one's, st- and I get that maybe you won't have, I don't know if you're like, oh, I wanted to incorporate these interviews and you like contact them and they like, don't reach out back to you. Like I get how that certain things maybe you can't do on your own, but for the most part you can get, you know, if you have your Starfield coffee thing, like just post that yourself, you know, it's still a good idea. That's worth like sharing that you were interested in. That's why you pitched it. Um, so that's the other thing I would use it for if I wasn't, you know, if I was in the space in a different way, I think that's another good use case for like the solo website. But yeah. Agreed. Uh, elsewhere. Uh, I just want to read these two headlines from VGC. Uh, Warner Brothers says it's focusing on transforming its biggest franchises into live service games. Other headline. Both from the same day. Sony has confirmed it's delayed half of its 12 live service games planned for release in the coming years. We are reviewing this. We are trying as much as possible to ensure these games are enjoyed and liked by gamers for a long time. Uh, it is it is utterly <laughs> bizarre. To, I think as the industry as a whole is... Uh, there was a large pivot to live service games in the last five years. I think there is a rethinking of how much, how easy is it to replicate even a smaller version of a Fortnite or a Destiny, um, you know, uh, with with reports coming out from Bungie that 
if Sony had not purchased the company and they had missed their financial targets to the degree, which I think was around 40 percent is is what they said, uh, which resulted in a bunch of the layoffs that we talked about recently, that the company would be in serious jeopardy. I think anyone from the outside looking in would probably say like, well, Destiny seems like a hard game to run, but like it probably makes money. Like it's probably like doing OK. And it seems maybe not or like not relative to expectations, not relative to the scope of the studio, not relative to building a fancy new uh, office in Seattle. I don't know, That's but like it's just the uh, it's wild yeah. because light lightfall was their biggest release ever. Like yeah, destiny one, destiny two, like it was the biggest, like that's, you would assume that's where they place most of their revenue bets on is the big expansion. Cause it costs the most. It's going to be the biggest influx of new players, but even with the biggest possible, uh, release like they still aren't hitting revenue goals it feels like they were hoping a lot more people would stick around and buy stuff than they should have maybe like it's weird like it was almost like i don't know uh not not quite double but at least half 50 percent more than like the the next highest thing and they've done fine in other years right or like it seems weird I, i'm like I, I still want i still want someone to hand me a spreadsheet to be like what what bets are you making on the rest of the year based well, on that's, that's, well that's thing. the thing yeah. right when someone says we miss revenue targets by 40 percent, yeah someone set those targets right and so <laughs> the what ends up happening is hundreds of people lose their jobs because we missed our revenue targets well who said who said the who? How did we miss? You know what I mean? Like, right? It's the, the average. The average Bungie employee gets punched in the face, <laughs> loses their job yeah. because we missed these revenue targets. But these revenue targets were set by executives. You missed. You missed the revenue right, targets. You like, guessed you wrong. set them. <laughs> you yes, like you took a dart and you threw it, and it was wrong. And I don't see any of them losing right. their jobs. Yeah. Like. Like o- over this, um, certainly not to a degree that would even even if it wouldn't solve the fin- like the financial hole they may or may not be in. Because, again, like you say, we can't see the books. Yeah. You can make these books say whatever you want, <laughs> like without knowing the totality. Like, yeah, for all we know, it's like, well, we've been just dumping money into a money pit on like this third live service game we're trying to build. Right. And we have, you know, 100 employees on it. It's not really coming together. Well, I guess that means Destiny missed his targets by 40%. You know what I mean? Like, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, is it Bungie as a company missed it? Or is it specifically the revenue they expected from Destiny? I think it, it might be that second one. But even then, it's like, are you expecting that much because you've ever hit it? Because how do you have the biggest DLC release where right. that's going to be the bulk of your money for the year, basically? And then you still miss the what you think is going to happen. I think, yeah, it's a it's a... It's a weird, I don't know what sort of math is being done. And it always feels like I can't quite parse it well enough to trust that, like, yeah, there was a mistake made there that, like, they didn't do a good enough job at any of it. Or it's like somebody just made up a number so that they could later justify layoffs, right? Like, <laughs> well, also, if, if, if Destiny was in a place where the burn rate on producing that game like the specific style of live service game that that Destiny is, yeah. uh, was in danger of putting the company out of business if they had like one miss, right? Like quarterly misses, like annual misses and financial targets happen all the time. Uh-huh. They don't necessarily 
sink a company. It's a bad, like, it could result in layoffs. Like there are consequences, like when stuff like that happens, we've seen it. Uh, but if Bungie was so precarious with what is on the outside, a highly successful, like destiny, a game that seemed like it was running, like we based on how Bungie talks about yeah. it, a game running on a financial knife's edge yeah. that also has inspired countless companies like Warner brothers to go like, we should do that. Like, that's what we should do. Like, you see that Destiny? <laughs> Suicide Squad. Like, go be that. And, like, now Suicide Squad, I'd be more surprised if that, ga- I, if that game came out than, than being canceled. Yeah. Like, at this point, like, they see, like, like don't even want to talk about that game. We spent a, a whole d- decade ruining Rocksteady, having God. them not do the type of games they were very good at uh-huh. to try and make, to try and chase Destiny, essentially. Like, Suicide Squad is... Like a de- you know, in that same mold of uh, a type of game, and Destiny itself seems to have been a house of cards. Is a uh, distressing place to be, especially yeah. when you start seeing these quotes where you have Warner Brothers, a studio that for a while was sort of, but maybe beloved is the wrong term, but like we're making a lot of high quality single player games, especially sort of in the Batman universe, especially from Rocksteady. Um, they've got games coming up like Suicide Squad, like Wonder Woman, which is being made by Monolith. We haven't seen it, but some of the whispers about it have been very much that it's being conceptualized in the same sort of ongoing live service components, uh, however that might play out. Um, Gotham Knights, which came out and positioned itself as much like Suicide Squad, we're like, no, 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 it's just like just it's just like Arkham Knight. Like, it's just like those games you like. But also lots of glowing numbers and loot tables. And it seemed to really drag down, uh, you know, I don't know how good that game was at its core. I didn't spend any time uh, with it, but uh, this, yeah, that's kind of what I'd heard. Um, (laughs) And to hear like that, the reception of suicide squad has been so poor every time it's been shown that they just go, I don't know, work on it for another year. When it's like, well, maybe the fundamental problem is like the core of what you built. uh, And, uh, and then the you know the response from Warner Brothers to be we're going to do more of those is just really distressing for a lot of the studios they have. Yeah. There's been complaints about Mortal Kombat's handling of microtransactions, like how they've handled like seasonal fatalities and costumes. It just seems like Warner Brothers, if you look at how I think it's David Zaslav is the the executive there that came over from Discovery when this big mishmash happened, you know, a couple of years back, you know canning movies like Batgirl that were like more or less done with production uh, except for pickups and and visual effects. There's just a desire to pinch every penny and then also extract as much as you can. And this seems to be an extension of that, but it's really not hard to look at this as also just eventually the death of Warner brothers as like a development house. I guess if suicide squad flops, if like, if, if, uh, if, uh, Wonder Woman flops. I mean, like th- these games also take forever. It's just a, it's a bizarre place to to be yeah. in. I, I think uh, we can't extract the the live service obsession from a lot of the layoffs that have been occurring in the industry. It's not all. It's not one to one in terms of where all that's landing. But I, these sorts of bets are the ones that end up having a lot of impact because executives get obsessed with chasing the. Well, it'd be nice if the game made us money forever like that seems great it's um it's what makes go ahead well, i was just gonna say it's just a such a silly bet to make when destiny comes from the developer who made fucking halo like yeah. 
like 90% of the initial like interest was it's Bungie. They're making a new game. Like, and then people stuck it's around. It's why I keep playing it, even <laughs> though I don't like exactly. it. Exactly. Because of that exact thing. People don't go to it because it's live service. You have to have a strong enough pitch for people to stick around after it's live service, right? And it's just like all these IPs and stuff, like, it almost comes in at like a. If you're not interested in like having a forever game anyways, like people, it turns it just turns people off immediately, right? It's it's kind of like a poison word at this point to like be like, and it's a live service. It's like, well, I don't need another live service game in my life. I have Destiny. I'm not looking for that. Right. I I never wanted that as a specific thing when I went to Destiny. I wanted the world and the gun feel from Bungie and the lore from Bungie. And like, that's what they gave me. And the fact that it was live service was like, didn't help it at all in, 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 in my view, as far as like, well, especially destiny one, yeah. if anything, it was a giant hindrance and they have figured it they out. Figured like, it they out, kind of right? figured they made the thing they wanted to do, which is like the world moves through time in a way that makes it feel like you're like affecting and changing things as like time in real space goes on. Right. Like, it also has caused a shit ton of problems because you can't play the first half of that story anymore. You can't play easily the first three quarters of the Destiny 2 story anymore because it just doesn't fit because you have to keep changing things moving forward. Um, but it's like people always forget that the initial pitch was so much about Bungie, who's been making like the biggest you know, console shooters of all time is making a new thing. And that's where the excitement came from. Not Bungie is making a live service game. And that's where the excitement came from. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and, and you know, in, in some ways I, I'm not surprised that Sony is uh, kind of pressing pause on this initiative or shifting a sort of expectations, but Sony's like broader idea did make some sense to me in the idea that, they make these enormous bets on highly expensive, highly polished single player games that make most of their money up front. Yeah. Right. Like, like in I'm sure there are tales to sales and there's bundles and there's and all that. But like it's much like a movie release. It's like yeah. we're going to make a bunch of money right away. People are going to burn through the game. Maybe they come back for a DLC increasingly Sony hasn't really done DLC because it's so expensive. It's easier just to move studios onto spinoffs or direct sequels because you're looking at several years, three to four years at minimum to, to produce one of these. But it makes, it would make sense to me if you're thinking of like, okay, if one year really we release the big polished single player game that we're getting every couple of years from our studios, well sprinkled in between there, if we also had these live service games that people could engage with, we're like, you get off of, you finish Spider-Man 2, but then we also have some live service thing that's connected to the Marvel world or whatever. Like, that does, like, I can see a coherence in strategy there. I think what Sony's running into is that it's extremely difficult to build those games, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that, like, they're learning lessons that Bungie learned a decade ago the hard way, that anybody that does these uh, while trying to build them and then show them to the public is learning like a suicide squad is like people's tastes are fickle. Their time is, is at a minimum is stretched between all sorts of different media. And then you also have to make a good game. Like yeah. destiny in its bones was a good game in destiny one. Like 
I didn't like the story. I didn't like a lot of it. I didn't like a lot of it. Like gun shoot good. Gun right? Like so nailed that. Like good. the world was cool. Like the Insightful art was great. Ever. Like Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like No, that's true. I feel it. You look at like when I watch Suicide Squad's gameplay, it's like gun not look so good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, like you it know, really you're, does you're come like, down to that. I mean, shark, like, right. shark man cool, maybe shark yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could say know. it fancier, but like, that is true. Um, I think to Kato's point, the idea of, I think a lot of the live service angles for these companies are cart before the horse type situations where, to expand on what Kato said with it, it's like, it's exciting that Bungie's doing something, not necessarily that Bungie's doing Destiny, which has this live service element to it. Um, I think, yeah, you have to have an, interesting game inherently that's exciting that maybe also depending on the style has like maybe a single player little tiny campaign thing to do for the people that don't want to dip into like the online portion like it has to be the perfect storm but if you're like hey no this is like what this is what we want you to live in because we want to make money and i feel like if that if that comes across in the marketing and the way the games are shown off it kind of automatically sort of rubs people the wrong way and they start at a negative um i was sort of having this conversation a bit um on another podcast I do, Indie Council, the idea of, we were talking about, you know, what's going to be at the Game Awards, right? Like for indies um, and what we expect and like why we expect it. It's like, okay, well this, and a lot of the conversations were, this is a game that we were primed to be interested in and then it delivered or it didn't deliver and that's why we don't hear about it. And I feel like with a game like Suicide Squad, um, it's so much starting in the negative for, again, and this is more about the critical outside Conversation, right? Like a casual gamer might not even know about that game yet, you know? No, um, yeah, none of the marketing's really spun up on it. Yeah, but it's it's starting from a rough spot and kind of has to be like it has to win us, re-win us over because it's kind of already in the negative. And I think that's really tough to do, especially when you are pushing live service because it's a very specific type of game. And I think when you lead with live service, you do invite the questions that y'all brought up of well, do I have time for this? Do I want this? Do I have, like, do I get this somewhere else? Like, is this even my, is this why I play games? And that's a conversation that you don't really have for any other title. Like, even if it's, I don't know, a genre you don't like, you're just say, oh, well, I'm not really like an RPG person or a tactics person, but you're not sort of wondering why you're giving this to me. You're like, oh, no, I know who this is for and that's fine. Um, Versus like, there's not really, you know, and I'm sure there's some exceptions, but there's not really a live service gamer like oh i only play live service and i just get excited about every live service game like right those no. are like shooter fans who happen to or like you know count like i i play Fortnite because it's fun to go in the world and and shoot around with my friends and see the ip and all of that i don't play Fortnite because i feel like i need a live service game in my life it just so happens that like it's a live service game and i like play it you know i dip in and out like any other person mostly would if you play that game casually so i think that's been kind of a bit of the sticking point. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm excited that Sony's at least presumably thinking about it carefully. And I do wonder how much of um, the upcoming change in leadership is going to, yeah. like what that conversation is internally. Like, is this going to be, are we staying the course? Is whoever is in charge, do they have a different vision? Did they kind of always have a different vision and they just didn't say it at the time? You know, like, I don't know, right? Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm and, and also saying you're pausing a bunch of projects, delaying a bunch of projects, Boy, that sounds like more layoffs. You know what I mean? It's like strategic vision shifts don't always yeah. align with, well, we've got something else the for reorg, you to do. Yeah. The reorg, yeah. The reorg. Yeah, go back to that original uh, quote we had from, from Ubisoft. Uh, two quick things before we take a break. Uh, 
Grand Theft Auto Six, Grand Theft Auto Six uh, is going to have a trailer uh, in sometime in early December. Whether it's at the Game Awards or not has now become one of I think the funnier bits of speculation. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think that game needs the Game Awards. I think the Game Awards needs that more yeah. than 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 anything else. Grand Theft Auto is going to be. I think people have it is off their radar how big Grand Theft Auto Five was is continues to be. Yep. There may not be a bigger game that comes out in the next decade than Grand Theft Auto Six. Um, and I'm. It's been so long since Rockstar has touched. The culture. Not Red Dead Redemption 2 was a big game, but like, what is even sad? Like, Grand Theft Auto skipped Trump. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, I'm wildly, mm-hmm. like, morbidly curious because they were already sort of <laughs> losing the plot on satirizing America by the time five came around. That as they were trying to do the, you know, commentary on like torture and boy, like, it didn't. Not, not a lot of that landed. I mean, I liked a lot of that game, but a lot of that stuff was sort of fallen by the wayside. And I'm, I'm very curious to see where the interpretation, the cultural ter- interpretations come with with six. But um, I also, we'll, didn't we'll one of say. didn't the Hausers fight <laughs> or something? Isn't one of them out? Sam Hauser is still there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, there have been creative breakups right. uh, within Rockstar. The folks you would normally, I believe, yeah, it's like one of the Hausers left, right? Yeah. Hauser right, left like Rockstar. Uh, yeah, Dan Hauser, Dan Hauser. Uh, left in uh, February 2020. Um, this game's been in development for a very long time, so presumably Dan Hauser has had some influence on right. what this game is, but uh, this is, has mostly been uh, led. And there was another ex-Rockstar person that was very high up yeah. that also left uh, in the midst of this. Their their name... Um, uh, Laszlo Jones uh, uh, was also left. Yeah, there's a, a number yeah. of people who have left uh, over the over the. There was kind of a big which... post uh, Red, Red Dead, Dead Redemption two, 2. like kind of split yeah. because that you know we've heard from like the studios not run very well. <laughs> like the yeah, but like yeah, some of the reporting from yeah, Jason Schreier was that like they have made strides and like meaningful strides to be a more like part of the reason six is taking so long partially is because five continues to make so much money partially because of COVID partially because the studio is trying genuinely to avoid uh crunch and so like you know if you want to take the optimistic view hopefully that pans out and hey like if you were in a situation where you had a game like Grand Theft Auto 5 that has straddled three generations of consoles at this point and it's still minting money, money. Like, that's like the like that's the scenario, right? right? Like let the people spend as much time as they need to make the next one that will get you through another another decade of failed Bioshock projects yeah. that never ship. It's very um, funny that everyone always cites uh, Destiny as the like live service game that like. People are chasing, yeah. but like it's actually GTA actually it's 5. GTA Online, yeah, GTA Online well, as I mean, the they, like add on to GTA Five that like runs alongside it after you finish the main story. Yeah. That Which people had a campaign, still it's exactly, like, okay. yeah, you like sneak it in there. money, just still making money. But like again, that's because it's fucking GTA. Like there's such weight behind that that franchise that like people want to play it forever. <laughs> The thing I'm most curious about, and I, I don't think we'll get any sense of this in the trailer, which will probably just be like a tone piece and reveal some of the characters. Yeah. And and, and probably not even a release date. Uh, but is 
at some so Rockstar over the years has had real tensions with the like role playing side of Grand Theft Auto, which is which is huge on YouTube and Twitch, in which people run servers where you can role play as cops and all, all sorts of different scenarios. There's like a whole modding community that's yeah. built a really extensive and impressive role playing side to GTA that is not native to GTA Online. Uh, and then eventually they hired a bunch of those people and brought them in house and they work at Rockstar and are working on GTA six. And I am fascinated to see to what extent that does or doesn't become like built in to Grand Theft Auto uh, six and its online components. Like the, the idea that would, like Legion defecation of GTA six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, or like it's, it's, you know, it's more of a, you know, like people use this term metaverse, but like, it's more like, it's more of like a living universe where players do what they want with the objects you've created, right? Like it's more like a a toy box of, of for Grand Theft Auto and like what what they do with that when they decide to actually make it part of their development tools and, and roll out, I, I think is going to be fascinating. Um, finally, uh, the uh, Legend of Z- uh, Zelda movie has oh, been yeah. announced. <laughs> um, uh, uh, it is not. Uh, surprisingly being produced uh, with Illumination, um, which is the studio that uh, Nintendo partnered with for the highly successful uh, Super Mario Brothers movie that came out earlier this year. I feel like that year. makes sense, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think so tonally, it's, being... it's not, it, it might be outside of Illumination's wheelhouse, just like the way that they make games, right? The make I, movies yeah, so I, yeah, I agree. So it's being, uh, the film is going to be produced by Nintendo and uh uh, Avi, is Avi Arred? Arred? I, I don't know if pronounce his, hmm. his last name. Avi Arred is a longtime producer, uh, like made a bunch of his name doing uh, like a lot of early Marvel stuff, was a producer on the early Spider-Man films, like the Sam Raimi stuff. Um, increasingly was pushed out because a lot of the word on this guy is that he's not great to work <laughs> with. Like, like the most recent Spider-Man, the, uh, no Way Home, the one that brought back all the other, you know, spider people uh, uh, for, for a live action MCU one. Like, they pushed him out as a producer and then at the end credits, like, gave him, like, well, none of this would be possible without the creative vision of Avi Arendt. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's more like a middle finger yeah. and also, like, I guess we have to credit you here contractually. Um, it says that uh, the film will be produced by Nintendo uh, and our productions and directed by Wes Bell. This has definitely caused a lot of Hand-wringing Wes Bell is a director that most people are not probably familiar with. Uh, They are uh, broadly responsible for a lot of the Maze Runner uh, films, uh, young adult uh, films. uh, uh, Director, I was trying to pull up their entire filmography. Uh, Wes Ball, sorry, uh, not Wes Bell. Um, Yeah, Maze Runner, The Death Cure, Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, The Maze Runner. Uh, the most recent one they will be responsible for is the upcoming, uh, weirdly enough, uh, another... Uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yes, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which is the first three... Uh, so, several of those films were directed by... Oh, uh, they were very good. Were directed by What's-His-Face. Um, War for Planet of the Apes was Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves did War for the Planet of the Apes and the one... Those movies are surprisingly good. If you've not seen the previous three yeah. Planet of the Apes films, they're, they're fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, they're really good movies. Like, I highly recommend them. Um, so, West Balls has uh, a new one of those coming out and has been attached as the director 
for uh, the Zelda film, which I believe we uh, it's specifically is going to be live action. Oh. Thoughts? I hadn't, um, I hadn't got that last bit. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> though, man, what's your, okay, now I got to know, though, we have to start with Kato then. What's your live reaction to it? Because I already knew about the live action bit. Uh, I'm s- scared. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> 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 like, I don't know. Are they going to make him talk? Yes. People need to, like, get over this immediately. No. I, really? You think not- for sure he's going to talk? One, they are not making an avant-garde art film Why where not? the protagonist Why does not, not speak. Why yeah. <laughs> can't I have Because I they want. have contracted the <laughs> Avi Arad and the director of a new oh, Planet of the Apes, Apes films. Film. And yeah. I, I, I yeah. link, my boy's going to talk a lot. Um, uh, maybe in, like not talking is his thing. You know, it could be like his. Like, I don't know, the Mandalorian's got that helmet on all the time. Like, yeah. this thing is like, he's a little quiet boy. Half the, half the time, he doesn't even say anything. He's just kind of... Yeah. S- uh-huh. He can say a few sentences, maybe, but he can't be too talky, you know? He can't be the protagonist of a, like... I mean, he'll have his yacht. Well, that just yeah. happens type <laughs> script. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It feels... They fly now. <laughs> I'm worried like, because <laughs> live action also tends to then skew everything... That they're doing like uh, aesthetically into more realism, which and probably darker. Right. right? I saw, I saw yeah. some speculation from folks that well, if you were going, is this will this be an original story? Will it be a loose adaptation of an existing story? I mean, I will say, Breath of the Wild sets up like a if you just wanted to adapt that to some degree, could be a really cool. Like it has a great look that right. I think would actually translate pretty well. So live action. I saw, twi- I saw a lot of people was like quietly rooting for Twilight Princess as as like if you're gonna go dark and go live action, Twilight Princess has an aesthetic and a story that maybe yeah. gets you enough for ninety minutes to two hours. Um, but I'm I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but even then, thinking is- and like maybe this is just because these movies never sat well with me. But like the all the Disney remakes where they remake the thing in live action, it just loses yeah. something of its original. Uh, spirit kind of like its original vibes are gone when it goes like you have to like shift things into the real world it, and I don't I'm worried <laughs> yeah <laughs> well the thing is will this be a PG-13 film I imagine they don't oh, want yeah, to be 100%. really yeah. 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 yeah well I guess Link is not like do the kids oh like my God. Link I, like- I, I would look I want to live in the world where, didn't, where Miyamoto is out here Co-writing an R-rated Legend of Zelda. Oh, that'd be really. Oh, I, was going, I was thinking below PG thirteen. Oh, PG. Yeah, PG. Oh, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I would suspect it's PG thirteen. Um, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it was P. Like the the line there is so fuzzy. Because Hunger days. Games is like, PG thirteen. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I feel like that's what the I almost feel like like doing live like action. Right, but yeah, you're going for young adult. Yeah. Uh, but I think by doing it in live action, you are. I, I presume I'm with you. I, I sort of think that they are skewing a little older. Like, hey, the reason we're doing it in live action is because I mean, this is bad. Like, I don't like the way that we view it. That we're like things that are animated are thus then targeted right. at younger yeah. audiences. Like, that's obviously I disagree with that paradigm. But my guess is it slightly informs the decision here, which is yeah. that you could do a Legend of Zelda animated film, but do you that Legend of Zelda? It's a very popular franchise. Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are like outliers yeah. in terms of the popularity. Legend of Zelda is a 
like top tier creative franchise for Nintendo, but is not necessarily its best selling, right? Like they're like, and I can imagine when you're conceptualizing to make a Zelda film that live action could bring in more people. It would be more theoretically more popular because by definition animated is going to suggest, well, it's for kids. And I think this by being a live action suggests they are aiming for, and you got like, and you got the maze runner guy, right? Right. Like that is, that is young adult fiction. Like that is an adaptation of a young adult, uh, uh, like dystopian novel series. Uh, and, I don't have any opinions on whether those movies were good or bad. I have I have no idea um, whether like his work adapting them was like worthy of the original source material. But I think it all adds up. Like it does make uh, like all of this makes a certain sense. Yeah. It does not necessarily lead me to believe they will produce a good movie. <laughs> yeah, but like the comp- component parts do. It's like all right, like this producer has done a lot of adaptations in Hollywood. He's probably very easy to work with like good at talking in a meeting. Like I just, I, and then Westball has like worked on films like this that are going to appeal to young boys. The young adults Uh, adventure movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think also at this point, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna go see this like in theaters. I think this is like a sh- yeah. Like you a- are. No, you are. <laughs> yeah, you why, are. Why do you? Yeah. feel Did you see Mario all- in theaters? I did. Are you still out here? Are yeah. you still out here producing content and being on podcasts? You're gonna be yeah. in a theater watching the Legend of Zelda movie. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Do we need me? Because like, I don't feel the need. Though really, the only place. I mean, I guess here, you know, too. But like, like at Minmax, we'll do some movie stuff sometimes. But like. We got plenty of people. Like we don't need. Like, do you need me? I think there's gonna be such a morbid. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's gonna be such a morbid curiosity because yeah. I didn't see there Sonic. is such a. You didn't see Sonic ever. Or? Sonic was good. You should go see Sonic. Yeah, Sonic like, was fun. Sonic, those are good movies. But, yeah, those are good movies. Th- I saw Mario because I'm a Mario stan. So sure, the morbid uh-huh. curiosity got me, and I was like, "This is a film I could take my dad to as well." So like, because it's like yeah. animated. It's either very young or very old. Like you know, right. I'm like my dad can watch this animated film with me. You know, <laughs> my dad likes the pretty colors like a seven-year-old yeah no he does he's like he had a great time he had a great time watching mario um he also had a great time watching top gun which is a very good movie but anyway um yeah and i feel like after i watched it i was like yeah i don't i think i'm done now you know what i mean like i think i'm (laughs) i'll wait for like netflix or hulu or Uh whatever uh i think i don't know someone i I just think this movie had well if when i'll check back in i'll check back in with you (laughs) on whether or not i see in theaters uh, yeah, I think this movie just has a. There's a world where it's very like surprisingly good. Sure, yeah. And then there's a world where it's the complete opposite. And and it's interesting because I think by choosing live action, Nintendo is ceding a certain amount of control, right? Like yeah. animation. I'm not saying it's easy to go back and like change things, but it's easier than live action. Live action require at a certain point. There's just a commitment. To shoot the like, you know what I mean? Like there is, you can't like rework things to the degree that you can in an animated film. And uh, so I don't. I think it's a it's an interesting bet. I I don't have a lot of confidence it's going to pay off, but it's at least it's it's interesting. Um, and uh, I I, I my ass will be in a theater right. <laughs> to see it. Yeah. it's also expensive. Um, it is. Like because I don't I don't see a lot of movies in theaters, so I'm like, mm-hmm. is this really going to be one of my ones? Like. I, That's fair. you know what I mean? So I'm like, maybe I should start to get it. refine. Now, if I had, um, we'll see if they catch me in my AMC Stubbs era, <laughs> all bets are off. Damn. 
But I, I'm, I've left my AMC Stubbs era, and I I don't intend on going back. But you know, there's not enough movies to go to to justify it. There were that's several why, years ago. That's why yeah. I would just see random stuff, which was kind right. of its own fun. You know, that's like why I ended up watching like Megan. You know, it's like I, I don't because <laughs> I'm already paying for it. Now, granted, I. Don't really save money because every time I go to the theaters, I need to get the nacho um, slushy combo, which is like thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really just a, a bill. That's how they get you. It's yeah. True. Uh, well, we're gonna pay our bills by taking a break, uh, and you can listen to some ads, or you cannot listen to some ads by going to our website, signing up, supporting Green Map Radio. <laughs> kind of, I'm, I'm Did now, you stop I'm now because you were gonna say yes, yep. yes. <laughs> we need to find out. It's remapradio.com. Remapradio.com. But next week we're going to do a stream where we we get we talk to a domain broker <laughs> and see if we can get remap.com because it's owned by a place that does. It'll be a whole thing. Tune yeah. into a stream next week. Kyle and I have stumbled upon some dark magic. We're going to see. The we're going to spend your money. Those people at the Zeal tier, can you help us by remap.com? <laughs> remap.com, please. We're going to find out. We want out. it. We need uh, it. We'll take a break. Uh, come back uh, and uh, actually uh, talk about some games we've been playing. Be right back. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar, you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, Because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com slash remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code REMAP at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Remap Radio listeners. Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. 
but it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Uh, the video games don't stop. I, I keep trying to, I keep asking them to, but they just keep coming. It's, <laughs> they're not listening to me. Um, and th- there are so many things we could talk about, but the game I want to talk about because I can't talk about it because I have to someone, ask someone else about it is Fashion Dreamer. Oh, hell yeah. Janet, I have <laughs> redeemed this game on my Switch. I have not turned it on yet, okay. but I need you to tell me about it. Because it looks delightful, and I'm just trying to figure out how delightful it is. What is Fashion Dreamer? Fashion Dreamer uh, is a game from, I believe it's a Style Savvy team. Yes, that is correct. Uh, I have not played Style Savvy before, so my authority is none on this topic. And yet here I am. But uh, but I I love fashion. Um, I love making my little outfits in real life. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to check this out. And it's funny because it's a game that I, I first saw at one of the Nintendo directs and it was kind of like, okay, like this is like a, a cute little thing, but a lot of a good chunk of people I know kind of popped for it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go and see how it is. And honestly, there's a lot of gripes I have with it. It is very bare bones. Like there's not a story or like a full campaign or you know, there's like a lot of little quality Uh-oh. of life you're tur- issues. You're, tur- you're turning it off for me. I I, I, need, I think Hold I on. needed the store. Okay. All right. Hold All right. On. Sorry. On. Stay Hold with me back me. in. I'm here. I'm holding none on. Of, none of that's going to matter because it's fun to put together little outfits. Like okay. it leans very heavily on just that one thing. And that's kind of, I think, the number one drawback for it. Just that, especially, you know, talking to style savvy experts like my colleague, Sarah Pazorski, it's like it doesn't have a lot of additional things, um, but it's just fun to make the outfits. And you can... It is. It really is. We sort of described it as a clothing and fashion utopia because you basically walk around. <laughs> and and um, I'm not as far in as she is. Like she's opened up. Like you know, we talked about for the pre-show bi- biomes or maybe in the main episode. I don't remember. Like there's other areas you can kind of unlock, but you're basically walking around what's kind of like a very clearly a hub world. Like almost like just like another take on uh if you think of the lobby area in Splatoon like where you're kind of mm-hmm. in the town and there's store it's like kind of like that but a little a little bit like flatter you know like more simplistic but you just go from like personally you start off like going from like NPC to NPC and you can like their clothes like give like a little thumbs up and then get their clothes like you just take you don't have to pay for the clothes like there's no in-game <laughs> currency so there's a lot of in- little in-game currencies for things like they'll give you you know this kind of ticket can use the gotcha pong machine and then you get like a shirt or like you can use the bingo machine and I assume you also get a shirt or like whatever, right? <laughs> but you don't really need to like, there's nothing gating you from the core thing they provide, which is making the outfits like and getting new clothes. Like you just can pick up, it's like I see a sweater on someone. I'm like, that's my sweater now. And that's it. It's just yours. You know, charge it to the game. Um, so <laughs> you... 
Within no live service mechanic. model here. I just, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trading any currents. I'm not grinding out for this cool, dope yes. blue sweater. I just take it. Or it's not like, you know, and again, I wish there's more was more to do in terms of like mechanics in it. But at the same time, I do really appreciate it not having something like, you know, I'll make it up, right? Um, oh, you need to create eight denim outfits before you unlock like shirts now or some, some kind do of Do this dancing mini thing. game like yes. 10 times and then you get a golden ticket and then that golden ticket you can redeem at the, at the blue clothing yes. store to get that sweater. Exactly. So there's nothing like that. You can just walk around and get clothes. And then what you another really fun and smart thing I think they do is the other mechanic besides just getting items is like dressing either you know yourself for fun or other NPCs or real people. Like there's like an online mode where they'll populate my game with not just NPCs, but like actual users. So you walk up to them and you can also besides taking their clothes, you can make them an outfit. And they'll have like a little, um, you know, you fill out sort of a little questionnaire at the beginning where it says like, what's your favorite color? What's your, what's on your wish list? You know, is it shirts? Is it accessories? Whatever, right? So you can make them something with that in mind, or you can just make them something in general. I think you do get more like points or like whatever if you hit certain like checkpoints, like, oh, I made them a pink outfit. Their favorite color is pink, but it doesn't really end up mattering. And then what's cool, and those looks, those little outfits are called lookets. And and what's cool is like let's say we were in, we both played right like let's say we both played and you like gave me your you know you got far enough to unlock the online which unlocks in like I don't know thirty minutes maybe an hour time I'm like gonna do bad. this I'm gonna do it this weekend okay. with my daughter that's my okay plan. yes so you unlock right your little thing I can get your code I can like follow you because it's in it's in that classic like you're an influencer you have social which whatever well that's big, that's fine. kind of like that was the. The, when I watched the trailer, that's sort of the yeah. pitch is like you're building outfits to get a following. Then you're yeah. trading like the currency in the game is like likes or like yeah. social media influence. And I assume that has something to do with the gating of like the hub world and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they kind of lean into just like the the online culturalness of it. Even just having like you have these things called showrooms where it's uh, like a little room you make and you can put clothing racks and like either your favorite outfits or your most rare pieces and people can visit it and like get outfits that way or just see like oh this is how you decorate it and you can similar to dream surfing and animal crossing new horizons you can enter a space which they call like the the stream room or something which is like how is this a stream whatever it's like let's just throw (laughs) online lingo into things but you can go from like a few like up to i think 10 or something different people's showrooms and then you know just check out what they have going on um but if if you gave me like your code, right? I could follow you, like hit follow on your icon, and then I could hit request a look at from you, and then you'd get like a notification on your end, and it would be like Janet or Jay, I think is my name in there. It's like requested a look at, and then you'd see my little character and my little information, and then you make me an outfit, and then I get back in my like little inbox, like that's Patrick super made cute. You, yes, like Patrick made you an outfit, and then I'm like, oh look, it's so cute, like that's oh that's so cool. I like I'm gonna I like these pants Patrick gave me, and then they're like. <laughs> Oh, Jay sent you a like because she liked the pants. Or also you get likes just like existing. Like I'll like have my little outfit, right? It's like, oh, my little um, Sarah made me an outfit and she gave me this big sweater that with the Ariana Grande sleeves where the sleeves are too long for your arms. And it'll be like random user liked your sweater. And I'm like, it's a very affirming game. It's I'm like, people think I'm so fashionable. They love my outfits. And thus they love me. And I now am am right in God's eyes. Like, so... (laughs) Really, the fun of it is just if you like putting together little fits, 
again, you might still notice the things like, oh, there's like a little lag once you get certain outfits. There's like, it's a little, the UI is a little clunky. It does that thing where it gives you tips and then it says, hey, you have unread tips, but then I have to go and manually read the, t-. you know, <laughs> there, there's definitely a space to have that conversation. And I do think from a critical standpoint, this game is very much like, okay to like good good's a little bit of a stretch just because of how i think bare bones it currently is now they do have updates uh planned but they don't have any information on what those updates are yet so it's too soon to say whether or not like oh in in a year where everything i'm saying be you know null and void will it be like oh no they built out this like all this extra stuff and now you know is this secretly the live service game that playstation's chasing <laughs> yeah, after? yeah all of a sudden like janet's like, i spent a thousand dollars on fashion uh, yeah, um, I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, I mean, if they had like real, it, you know, again, there's there's things I want that I think a lot of people say, oh, style savvy had figured that out before. And this is just kind of a little bit more bare bones. Another big highlight, though, when you make your outfit, there's a button. It's like you click like the right stick or something. You can tuck or untuck all your shirts. And that's like, <laughs> such, such a fashion game changer. Yeah. Like it changes yeah. the vibe of the outfit completely. 100%. Um, yeah. And um. <laughs> I think the last big thing I want to point out too that I like actually skirted over is one really fun aspect or a smart design <laughs> choice that I do think they made was when you make outfits for anybody, you have your inventory to choose from, but they also give you like a generic smaller inventory. So when you start the game, even if you only have like you know, three shirts or something, they're probably going to give you a couple items that have that favorite color, a couple different pants, you know, so you could always m- make from that generic pool as well. Um, so yeah, it's fun. It's adorable. It's, it's chill. The only, um, you know, you mentioned like playing it with your daughter, like the, I wish, I I wish parts of the, it's interesting because the UI UI is a little clunky. So I do feel like some people will look at this and be like, oh, this is a kid's game. Like this is a little girl's game. And I do think, you know, when we think of the category of girl games in a very traditional horse girl like old school Yeah, very gendered sense. Like they love playing with dolls and, and, and like many of them do. That's true. Sure. <laughs> right. Like it's, you know, the formal, like if you look into the research of search, you know, the people that have done, because uh, there are game historians that look heavily into quote unquote girl games and the making of them and all these different aspects. So yeah, this kind of fits that category, but it is a little, I think more clunky. I'm like, I'm wondering like, what's the lowest age that can like wrap their head around some of these aspects, yeah. but generally it's just a, it's just a fun, wholesome time. And Frankly, it's it's it is unironically one of my favorite gaming experiences of this year. Genuinely, it's it's very fun. Yeah, it's, it just seems like it's too bad that it doesn't have like there's a fine line where you know we joke about the live service stuff, we joke about different ways you could gamify, like for lack of a better term, like the grind or like the the, the broader like meta structure the game is built under. But it does seem like it is missing. It, like a lot of what you're talking about is. Hey, how much do you just like making outfits? Yeah. That that is going to determine how far you go with yes. this game because there is not going to be an incentive structure beyond that that is going to keep you motivated. And it's not like yeah. there's another set of mechanics or hey, you you there's the fashion part and it's very in-depth, it's very deep. And then there's like an RPG that like you go yeah. out and do and the clothes have different, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing there, which is fine. A game can be about fashion aesthetics how you feel how that like how that makes you feel that can that can that can be enough but it sounds like maybe in both directions maybe it doesn't go far enough in 
some of the fascist stuff and also doesn't have a structure that is going to bring in other people who that's that's not going to be enough of a hook to keep them around, you know, especially paying, you know, 50 bucks yeah. for, for the experience. At the same time, you know, people have asked, like, is this game worth it? I'm like, honestly, like, I think it like it is if you like that thing. You know what I mm-hmm, mean? If you're willing mm-hmm. to take the the drawbacks and you're like, you know what? That's OK. Like, this is enough for me. Um, you know, then, yeah, it's I am. You know, I did get code for this. So like, I didn't pay the $50 for it. Admittedly, yeah, yeah, you know, as part of yeah. the uh, the non normie elite, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, I like to think that. I would, you know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah. really enjoy, I'm genuinely really enjoying the game, but I do think, yeah, there's been a lot of conversation. I've talked to a lot of other players and, you know, a lot of us have like similar comments, I think, for the things that we may wish it had, or even just like ways to restructure some of the aspects of what exists. Um, it is a game that has a lot of things that you can nitpick and it does inadvertently invite a bit of like, it's hard not to be backseat developer when playing this game a little bit. Oh, even sure. Though, again. I don't make games, so I have no I have no idea like how hard or easy many of the things I suggest are. But um, yeah, you know, I just hope that the since there are updates, I'm looking forward to what those updates are. Um, and hopefully that can if I put down the game at that point when the updates come, which I think they're set for like, I want to say like winter. Um, oddly enough, it's not on the game website, but they do have it, I think, on their website proper uh, that I will look into. But I don't we'll know if those are just going to be... Whenever, whenever that's... Yeah, is it just more items, right? If it's just yeah, more clothing, I, that doesn't December really address... December and January. And it... So it leans... They lean heavily into, like, the clothing of what they're showing so far. So, like, December is going to be... Um, butterflies is, like, the theme. Ooh. It's, like, fantasy. And, like, you can get, like... There's, like, this dope butterfly outfit that kind of looks like something that the little Pinocchio man in Lies of P would wear. Um, <laughs> but butterflies. And which also kind of makes sense because there's, like, a butterfly in that game. Anyway, it's, like, a whole thing. But... That seems to be what that is. And then for January, it just looks like they're leaning into like winter, a little bit like Christmas colors, but then also like it's January. So like, what's up with that? I don't know. Right. But it's like, is it just items or will it be like a, a deeper, richer event? Um, so we'll see. But I'm having fun with it. It's a good time. Patrick, I'm dying to see what your fashion journey looks like. And you can make, <laughs> so you, your, the character you make is called a muse. Um, mm-hmm. You can make multiple muses, which I do intend to explore that. Uh, one of my, I kind of understand it, but I do find it kind of weird. Uh, gripes of the game is it does the thing where you make your muse and they're like, there's type A and type B. And like type A is like the female one and top B uh-huh. is like the male, you know, which yep. that's, you know, again, not having the labels is cool, but then if you're still using the same thing, it's like, it's, well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like there's a slider where it's like, yeah. Hey, how do you feel like this fits? It's more, it's still, yeah. Step one. It's cool that we're stripping the labels. It's like out. how Target like, took down the labels, but like these are still, but you still, still the, girls, but the lion in the aisles are still boys and girls. Like you're <laughs> yeah. still doing the same but shit. What's weird about this game is, um, it feels like parts of it in that sense are very progressive. And then some parts like aren't as much. And it's like a weird mm. mismatch mix mishmash thing because, like there are items that unfortunately are only A items or only B items. And there are some items that both like any character can wear, uh, but I'll look at it. But it, it seems in, in honestly, the items that they pick are very feel a little random because the, and granted my, some of my style fashion sense does lean a little masculine at times. Like I like playing with, you know, different 
styles like in my real life but i've picked so many clothes without like i guess like double reading the label and they're like that your muse can't because i picked like the female muse like your muse can't wear that and it's like just a pair of sneakers and i know in real life <laughs> there are some sneakers that only come out in men's sizes but it's just it's just it's uh, a video then, like, game me, but then like <laughs> like the the man like b like the b type can still like wear earrings which is cool like i don't want to take you know but like it's like some part and then like you can wear any hair like the hair is not ge- like lo- gender locked like but, so it's just odd that like some things that is are odd. gender locked and uh, the joke I made to my um, colleague Sarah because we streamed this on Midmex's channel is I feel like someone was making a progressive game and then someone else was like what's going on here and they just hit like export <laughs> and they couldn't finish <laughs> they couldn't finish making it progressive so I feel like sometimes that's like a tug of war between yeah like localization and like different department like different regions like over like how you categorize stuff like that and then you you can sometimes end up with a game that's messily in in between because it never quite get gets fully fully subtle. Yeah. That's yeah, that's too bad that it's not just hey, just let people put whatever they want I do on because they they went seems like they went like 90% of the way there and then the 10% yeah, is just confusing. And I wonder I wonder if it's simply to incentivize you having other muses, which sure. while I I personally wouldn't sign up for that trade-off like i would prefer just to let everybody wear whatever they want um because i think for many reasons besides just the inclusiveness of that i think it's more reflective of what the fashion community is like it is very like you just close or close and everyone's mixing and matching and doing different styles um but yeah i do think there's a my vibe is i feel like that is a mechanical choice to push the player to make more muses but because you can make more muses i'm like oh there's a really fun aspect for role playing in this game then where you could make like I'm like, oh, I can make like Joel in The Last of Us and then just dress <laughs> like just make like a wasteland showroom. Like, I don't know. That stuff's really fun uh, to me potentially. But I do think there's a fine line between um, inviting the player to engage in interesting ways and kind of make their own fun, uh, similar to what we discussed earlier with like GTA Online and people role playing in that. And that being kind of all there is because the game didn't yeah. structure enough like Ma- like like uh like pre-made fun like we're kind of getting all of the juice out of the orange and there's a lot of juice you can extract but that's on the onus of the player like putting too much onus on the player to create their own fun because there's not enough stuff there to engage with if you do want to approach at a more face value level so um you know but you see a lot of games run into that kind of thing so yeah i love this game this game is my starfield so there we go <laughs> where people are like you know what i know it's flawed but i like it anyway this is i'm like we can you know my big joke with sarah i'm like we can put this on that high of a pedestal because why not everyone else gets to yeah this is gonna be our thing how many of there are games that are like this so you know you gotta take the ones that is, no, that is literally true though but unless yeah. you're on mobile then there's like a billion yeah i mean there's um oh and gosh, they're all very exploitative Nikki. love nikki's a big fashion thing i never really got into it because i'm like this is a little too much for for me to dig into, but it's fine. And you can design your own clothes in the game too, but the designing mm. feature is much more like, what color do you want it? Like what yeah. kind of, it's not that verbose. Like, frankly, I think you have more design options in Animal Crossing New Horizons for designing clothes, at least at my current state in the game. But what's cool is this has the aspect of like the realism where like I sort of compare this to, this feels very real world while Animal Crossing does feel very much like Build-A-Bear dress up. Like, oh, my little... <laughs> child character has like Uh a gown on and like that was still very fun and i did a lot in that but yeah um anyway i'm very excited for when you unlock your showroom patrick and i will be very excited to make you a look at if you thank you i'm I'm looking forward to i'm look at ing forward 
to this as well. Whoo, God! Oh, tell me about World of Horror. I got to I got This transition is is terrible. You gotta you gotta help me out here. Look and outfit. Oh, I hate it. Okada's I'm broken. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just, it literally, I was like, why did they name it that? That whole segment. I'm thinking like, sometimes you have to, and then what, <laughs> it hit sometimes me. Sometimes people make games, they're like, what if we came up with a new word for this instead of just the regular words we yeah. have? Like, we just mash some words together and make a new yeah, game. Yeah, it was literally the mashup that, that like hit me at the end. Like, oh, wait. <laughs> It's two words. It's not just a funny, <laughs> funny twist on look. Um, what are we talking about, Patrick? World of, world of horror. World of horror. Uh, world yeah, of if you want to, update. you know, yeah. what's, what's going on? What's the, other than you know the world we live in? But what's this world of horror? World of Kinda? horror um, is an old school adventure game. Apparently, uh, just came out of early access. Uh, yeah. Just hit 1.0 on a bunch of platforms. Yes. Uh, now it's been on PC early access for a hot minute. It's uh, a uh, it's a horror game uh, uh, set in like uh, you know it's like set in a specific town where there is there is an eldritch horror trying to end the world in some manner or another. In order to is stop everyone that, aware of it? Like, we're all just living day to day, looking at the sky and be like, wow, that moon has turned into a creature and it's slowly approaching. It starts more subtle than that. The way that it introduces is like people start go- going missing. The weird happenings are happening around town. Eventually it does like at some point open up in that way and like people will not necessarily mention it and just be like, oh, I guess that's weird. <laughs> um, but it has this like, you know, very specifically... Very cool aesthetic, uh, like one bit graphics, old style, um, sort of uh, setup where essentially what you do is you, um, when you start a new game, you basically can go in and set up or randomize a bunch of factors of like what is gonna happen, like which Eldritch Horror you're fighting means you get certain boss and debuffs, and it's like. You have, like, stats, right? This is kind of like, um... Honestly, it's very funny that I, that the, the thing that just came to mind to, like, compare it to is, like, Baldur's Gate. But what if Baldur's Gate was, like, individual, like, flat JPEG screens instead of 3D modeled? But, like, you know, you have all your stats, uh, stamina, sanity, the usual horror stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And you're going around trying to solve this mystery... And a lot of it is just, like, you'll go to a specific location, you'll investigate, a little bar fills up with two of your, like, your, like, party kind of, like, walking across it, and they're, like, just doing the investigation. And then you get, like, a random event, kind of like in, um, when you, like, move time forward in, like, a 4X game or something, and, like, a a random event pops up, something happens, and... It sometimes it's related specifically to the thing that you're actually looking for, and sometimes it's literally just like shit's weird here, so you're gonna have random creepy shit happen to you. Um, and as far as like actually like uh, getting through like to finish all of the uh, 
all of the uh, the mysteries they have to find because you have to find five mysteries in order to you have to figure out five mysteries in order to stop the Eldritch Horror from like taking over the world or killing everyone or whatever. Uh, it it's basically a resource management game where like as you go through these events, as you like pick the correct or incorrect choices in these random events, you start to you know what are the choices? What does that mean? Like what are you, what are you? Because this seems like the equivalent of combat, right? Like these choices well, are determining. There is also combat um, as okay. a, as a separate mechanic, but like in the choices, like one one option is like you're investigating the school and a creepy. Like, a substitute teacher with a creepy smile comes up and, like, <laughs> asks you to move some books. And, like, you can, like, refuse or help her. And even within those two choices, there'll be random chances, depending on what your stats are like, to get a good or negative uh, outcome. Like, she hands you a stack of books that are about, like, uh, like... Met, like medical oddities that is like has a really graphic cover and you like you get freaked out by that or like it's fine and like you help a teacher out <laughs> uh nothing cre- <laughs> nothing creepy happened this time so like you don't take the hit to your sanity or whatever or you don't get hurt like one like one is like you can uh trip and fall and hurt yourself uh carrying a stack of books or whatever right so like you've got these kind of two things of like your health and your sanity and as those go down you have to find time to also uh like heal those but every everything you do like every time you hit investigate at a location time moves forward right so like the the thing mm. the, the the clock is always ticking down to like you're running out of time to figure out these mysteries so it's 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 yeah, it's like resource management basically of like you have these two resources, your health and your sanity that you want to like uh have those uh stretch as long as possible to like figure out uh what these uh different mysteries are. Um and then there's also like yeah, there's combat where like you you can pick up a stick and fight a a, a woman who has three faces and like it's all yeah it's is all that my only option I don't I don't like have a better I found a like knife a, at one point that was pretty good all right <laughs> That's, okay that helps a little bit more but like the 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 tutorial investigation that they like put you on which is just like you just do one mystery just to like get the sense of what it is is you have to find like three objects you have to find. Uh, some ri- ritual candles. You have to find. Uh, you have to figure out what the sigil you're supposed to draw on the ground is to stop this ritual from from finishing. You have to find the counter sigil, and you have to find um, a specific pair of scissors to like cut the candle wax with or something like that. And so like you you hit investigate. You like do a little thing, uh, <laughs> um, but most of it is very like. Um, there's not uh there's not there, there's there's not a ton of like things where you interact with things on the screen it's mostly like reading adventure game sort of things but every once in a while there'll be like something that you can touch and those parts are really fun because they're almost always jump scares if you uh if you didn't catch me on halloween i played a bunch of games including this one there's this really hilarious part part where like suddenly you start hearing banging noises while you're in, like after you like investigate a specific classroom and then it shows you an image of a door um, and you hear the banging coming from out the door. And I just kind of naturally moved my mouse over to the 
thing because it's like a sliding door because it's all like it's sent in Japan, so it's like all Japanese architecture. But it was one of those sliding doors that the, uh, those like wooden ones, and I started moving it aside ever so slowly, and there's just like a creepy motherfucker like waiting like like one eye peeking out i was like nope fucking nope i'm out i'm out of here um so it, it like plays with uh jump scares in that way outside of the like just general horror of the situation and a lot of the aesthetics which are very like you know jinji ito inspired which you know um makes awesome just like yeah. You you know you never you never realize how fucked up things can be until you're like, "Oh, thanks Junji Ito for imagining that thing I would have never thought of." Like someone <laughs> like the 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 first like yeah, uh the tutorial like mystery like uh horror at the end was a lady who has she's described as a lady who has a smile that's too wide. What the game doesn't tell you is that her head is sideways. So her smile is vertical. And there's three fa- three heads stacked on top of each other. The reason that the, her smile is so wide is that it goes from the bottom mouth all the way through the top mouth. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, get that stick out. Yeah, and um, it's just like a beautiful, really well done kind of slow roll of what information is given to you as you investigate, uh, alongside this like this sense of like I have to keep pushing things. How many like if I if I push things too far, uh, I might die. But also, if I go to my house to, like, rest, like, time passes and things might get worse, right? So, like, it's got that tension of, like, trying to figure out when the best moments are to, like, take a break from your investigation and when the best moments are to, like, you know, push your luck on on looking for things. How long are um, the mysteries? And then if you run out of time... Is it like you are they kind of like episodes almost where you just kind of start that episode over or how does it function? Um, I haven't gotten through because the if you set up an individual mystery, I did one of those on that stream and I think it took me like half an hour. Okay. Uh, but that's just the tutorial and the tutorial sure, mystery. Yeah. Now, for a full game, there's five mysteries that you have to figure out that are all different like individual stories and once you figure out all five that means you stop the you stop the big bad the overarching big bad um and i haven't actually gone all the way through that one yet and okay i've gotten two mysteries in and i don't know what my clock this is the other thing is the, the clock that exists in the world isn't super um isn't apparent to you but certain at certain times it'll like you'll get an, an event that's like oh, this is obviously time moving forward event. Uh, like, hey, things are getting even creepier. Um, but so in theory, if they're, they're about like 30 to 40 minutes each, you know, a whole run would be like, you know, like three hours or something, uh, give or take, depending on how lucky you get. Um, but what's what's really interesting too is just like it's, it's, it's uh, you can kind of, do it all random or it also allows you to kind of set up your own thing. So like if you've gone through and you're like, I want to see all new things, you can go in and pick the specific mysteries. Like I haven't actually seen this mystery yet from just doing randomized runs. I can just, you can pick your own story, which is really neat to be able to set up. Um, and yeah, just the look of it is amazing. I think this, that aesthetics are just so cool. Um, 
uh, I'm, I'm excited to dig in more after I can pull myself from Alan Wake, which is currently taking up most of my time. Which do you find scarier between these two? <sighs> Alan Wake hits me more on the jump scares just because they're jump scares. Uh, this creeps me out more. There is more like situational, just like, oh, that's kind of horrific going on in 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 world of horror i think you know it's different different shades of the of of horror the like something went bump and it like freaked me out versus the like oh uh we're just living out here with three faces and uh we're gonna be cool with that (laughs) (laughs) do you know where this game would look really good Mm. the fucking steam deck oled that they just announced oh shit God wow. damn it. Breaking breaking news. Do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> do you have a Steam Deck, Patrick? Yes, but I so I guess but you don't have the OLED that they just announced. You don't have the OLED no, that they I, just announced. No, but like, you know, Waypoint. Uh-huh. You know, Valve Valve sent me one of those. Like mm. remap. You know, I don't I don't get an OLED. But like, it's, <laughs> Valve's, it's Valve's it's Valve's Steam Deck. They sent it to me, so like I can't like sell it. Yeah. <laughs> like that. But I'm, I think I'm gonna send an email this afternoon. It's like so. So like a press trade in program. Can I? Can I send trade in this, this other one? I use my. I feel like so there's this... no broker messaging. Then is there a press trade? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I if, look. There should if be they, a press trade in program. <laughs> if they tell me no, we're not gonna send you one. I am just out the five hundred dollars. Like I am going to buy this. I wow. like use my Steam Deck all the time. Like it is one of my most highly used platforms i was just talking to rob about uh there's ways to hack in geforce now onto a steam deck so that you can you know like hire in games like a robocop or uh things like that aren't don't run well on a steam deck but would run really well on you know like a 4k capable machine that could just pipe the video to the steam deck and how great would that look on an on an oled um i think it would look fucking awesome on, on an OLED is what is what I would say yeah it's uh it's the, the there's two versions of it uh 512 gigs one terabyte um comes with an OLED screen still 1280 by eight uh 800 it's an HDR display so it's not just OLED but uh gets the advantage of HDR it has better Wi-Fi uh it has a better battery uh 50 watt as opposed to or not, I guess not watt WHR what's W what does WHR stand for I don't know. It's a bigger number. It's a better battery. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it gets Steam Deck OLED has thirty to fifty percent more battery life. Yo, like last unit, night. It's a unit to measure. It's watt hours. Watt uh, hours. A unit to measure the energy stored in a battery. Thank you, Quora. I I was dealing with this last night playing Thirsty Suitors, where I had thirty percent battery life, and I was going to play a game for an hour in 10-ish minutes, and I ended up having to hug the outlet yeah. next to my wall. It does wall die really quickly. Because which... it, it churns through uh, uh, a lot of, like, Thirsty Suitors, which is not, it's a gorgeous-looking game. I love the art style, but it's not a game that you look at and go, damn, like, that's gonna zap the battery on this thing. It's like, it's it just does. Um, and because this it's older hardware, it's a several-year-old uh, device. It was not top-of-the-line hardware when it came out. It's, I think, a, an incredible device. It's far and away my favorite handheld just for functionally what it allows me to do but literally i know 30 to 50 percent doesn't seem like 
a big number, but for me, like last night, that would have been enough. Like 30% more would have gotten me to like half of a battery, which would have been enough that I didn't have to plug into the wall to sure. play the game for the, the rest of um, what I was doing. You want to so, be untethered uh, is the thing. I do. Well, I just, I, I spent all day in my computer. I don't want to be in a computer. When there are games that, you know, I, I, I would play on my computer. I don't want to go down to it. I just do not. And so if I can't play it on a, a console, then I do want to play it on something else. And frequently yeah. it's nice. Like my kids can watch Bluey and then I can be playing World of Horror. <laughs> I thought my Steve, you know what I mean? Wow, what a what a mix. <laughs> um, well, look, Bluey is its own World of Horror because it suggests a world where parents are never tired, exhausted, always have creative ideas, and are never upset at their children. And uh, yeah, wow. I suppose that world exists in Bluey, but stop holding us to standards that are impossible to meet and then making our children wonder why we don't always want to play Keepy Uppy. Uh, the Bluey game comes out on November 17th. I'm excited to play it's, it. Uh, it's because it's in Australia, right? Yeah, that's why it's just. That's Are they just better parents than us <laughs> yeah. in Australia. If Bluey had a U.S. version, those parents would be struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, have you seen the house in Bluey? Well, actually, that's funny because we joke about that. But like Australians, I know that watch Bluey. It's a very good show. It's, yeah, I, I adore it. It's, that's what it's wonderful. That's what the streets um, are saying. It's like a. Patrick, if you were how to watch do you feel it, about Caillou? What? How do you feel about Caillou? I know What's a lot of Caillou? parents. Caillou, the little, you know guy, Caillou? The little bald kid. Bald kid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the little bald kid. Co- the cocoa, the cocoa melon or whatever? Nah, no. never mind. This is, this is pre your time, Caillou? but you're older than me also, so I don't know how to How do I sure. spell Caillou? C-A-C-A-I-L-L-O-U. I think so. Yeah, I only oh, ask because a lot of parents hate vo- Caillou. They're like on these Facebook have- groups where they hate Caillou. I was wondering if that, if you were one we've of avoided, <laughs> We've avoided Caillou. Um... Uh, that is not that is not one that has gotten on it. Like there are they're rebooting like, the, Caillou. Nah, I feel, I feel old now. The oh, Caillou no. or Kaiju? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Caillou is a know, Kaiju. I know, I know. Like if, if there it's the reboot, he's real tall now. When we tell our kids they're they're done with uh, like tablets, watching things. Like we're winding down. The last resort is for them to say, "Well, can we watch a Bluey?" And we always say yes. Because then they'll brush their teeth while doing it. It's seven minutes long. And okay. I've watched all the episodes a billion times, even though there's like 150 of them. Um, but they're all good. Like they are yeah. legitimately, if you sat down and watched it completely out of the context of like being a parent or like being around children, you would have a great time. Like it is just <laughs> a gorgeously rendered, like drawn show with like really fun storytelling. Like it is, it, it is, it is just, it's just a good show that just happens to be very popular with kids. Um, Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna write an email to Valve and then probably be told no and then just buy a Steam Deck today. <laughs> Kato, yeah. so I can't. I'm not allowed to say this on air because it could be taken away from me. It was, okay. That's what it said in the email. But you you know the money. Uh huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't found a thing to spend it on. I didn't have anything up. Like I was waiting. I was like, something will present itself. Yeah. Yeah to me nothing you don't this did this this did <laughs> oh my god amazing jane i'll explain this off air i'm trying not to jeopardize my legal proceedings it's a, you, if you want to <laughs> i have some guesses i'll cut it out if you want no okay it's funnier to it's explain <laughs> leave this okay i guess i guess explain. okay i'll explain like uh, listen listen listener you're not going to hear this part 
Anyway, we're back to the podcast. I've explained the story to Janet, um, and we're uh, Daddy Patrick's getting a, a Steam Deck OLED. Uh, thank yes. you. What um, are you going to do with your other one since you can't do the developer the the press trading program that doesn't exist? Yeah, uh, does I'll it become? Give it to a, Probably give it to a friend locally. Like my neighbor yeah. plays a lot of games. Like so, I feel like that is within the the wheelhouse of sure. um, what I could. I was gonna say, does it become do. the kids? <laughs> do you have one, Kato? No, I don't. All right. Well, okay. If, if my neighbor doesn't want it, you can you can have the. Oh sure. The I guess it was ethical now, thing would be to, to give it to a neighbor. colleague that I work with. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, you're, my, um, my neighbor's not going to use it. My neighbor does not. Kato, next time. If I buy this or whatever, like, I'm surprised. I, you can ha- like, uh, neither of your kids would want one. Do they not like most? It's too bulky for yeah, a seven year old. Too big. Like, it's, it's also like a little, a little complicated. Yeah. Not that so much. The interface is a little complicated. Yeah. Um, they're still a switch is all they. You know what I mean? Like right, at one yeah. point, right? They have the that switch. That stuff will yeah. grow, grow beyond them. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, the switches and the shit. Switch I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> uh, stay tuned. Uh, before we get out of here, I do at least quickly want to because this week we ran a a piece about uh, Jusant on the website. Uh, I've been playing Jusant. Janet's been playing Jusant. It's the the new game from Don't Nod, the developers of uh, most broadly known for Life is Strange, but also. Remember me, Remember um, me. <laughs> uh, and a bunch of other. Uh, they're just a quirky, oh interesting God. developer doing cool stuff. Uh, Kato and I streamed Jusant earlier uh, this week. Uh, short version: I love it. I'm really enjoying this game. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's basically like a simple narrative climbing game. Uh, Janet, what do you, what do you make of Jusant? Uh, I'm enjoying it now that I'm a little further in. Uh, I guess I, I did enjoy it from the jump, but I am not like in love with it and I don't it's like it's pretty mechanically the, simple there's not the a notes, lot to the, it yeah the notes are the breaking point for me and which I found I've been talking to other players and it seems like that's very much like the you fall one way or the other so like the storytelling is primarily done through um notes like left behind yeah uh, there's a couple other um storytelling elements one that I really love that they do is there's like these little collectible seashells and you pick them up and you listen oh, and as you listen it changes what you see so, but you like, but it, it has a heavy emphasis on the sound design element. So you'll kind of look over what doesn't really change what you see, but you it recontextualizes what you see. So you look at a space, like imagine looking at a decrepit like coffee shop, and you hear like the the clicks and the clanks of the of the dishes, like from from time past. It's like that. But it's also more, not the like, regular camera, right? Like yeah. so, you 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 know, in the, in the game, you're normally controlling like a pretty standard third person camera, and then when you hold these seashells up you lose control and it's like setting up it fr- it's framing shots for you. So you're getting much more stylized, artistic, uh, cinematic shots of yeah. the world around you accompanied with some kind of like opaque sound effects that gesture at, you know, a world that was like, you are yeah. coming through this place called the tower that has been, you know, this is a world that it's definitely like a, a climate change, uh, story, uh, in which like, water is an increasingly uh, desperate supply and people have to like villages move to different, I think they call them pebbles in, uh, in the game, like move to different oasises that are found either in the at literal desert, which was the ocean. You can see ships in the background or uh, climbing further up this place called the tower uh, to try and, and there's sort of a religious myth that if you go high enough, the tower, the answers to our water problems uh, will be, will be solved. And so, many of those but you're coming through after most people have left 
these areas behind. Yeah. You're not running into characters that are still here trying to sustain a farm or a cough like a you know like a coffee shop. Uh, and and your glimpses into that are these seashells, or as you said, these these various notes that yes. you kind of find along the way. Yeah, and the the notes are um, for me a bit lengthy, and it's a little hard to keep full track. Like I. I have a hard time getting invested in the notes because of the way they're structured. Like some of them are just flat out notes that are fairly lengthy. And then some are like conversations that are also fairly lengthy. Like I think, and they're not, they're just there. They're not like, they don't have like VO over them, which I know that's also sometimes a, you know, is that a stylistic choice? Was that like a, a budget limitation? Cause there's right. one, one reason you don't see a lot of reading aloud of notes is cause it's expensive. It's like, oh no, someone has to read all this. It's, it's a lot of, it's lots to put in. Um, but yeah, like I I got to that point where I'm like, look, I'm not reading these anymore. I do like climbing around and I love <laughs> um, the seashell aspect. And I like the um, I'm in chapter two. I think the game is six chapters, perhaps maybe five. So you're in like the desert area where like the sun becomes uh, a factor with this like this the stamina meter. Like I think I'm before using- that. I'm at oh, the part okay. where um, there's this is like technically light spoilers for like the mechanic or the, sure. the thing introduced in chapter two. But this has uh, one of my favorite like mechanical tropes in games is that I click a button and something like something like pulsates out and now the world's a little different. And this okay. has that's very delightful where there's like, um, you know, a plant that you click a button and then you'll, it'll like grow and you can use that to like as handholds to traverse further. And that's the section that I'm in, which is chapter two. Um, and I like that aspect. Um, I haven't hit the sun thing you're describing, but I do like the idea of while the mechanics are very simple. There is, you know, there's always two options, right? I mean, sometimes people do a combo of the two where either we're progressing the mechanics to like gain more and they're, they're gaining complexity or we're recontextualizing the mechanics through design. Um, I do think the design shifts don't like fully recontextualize what you're doing. Like you're still just climbing, but it kind of just changes the experience a little bit. And I think in a game like this, that little bit does go a long way. So I'm enjoying moving through the space of the world, but it's not one that, I'm, you know, like obsessed with or or put super like high on my uh, list for games of the year. But I do think it's enjoyable enough. And I feel like if you like, you know, if you played the demo, if you played chapter one, you're like, I like this. Yeah, you're going to like the game because it's it continues to progress in that style. In that direction. It's very pleasant. Like that's that's I don't I don't know where I'll rank it or how I'll feel about it at the end. But especially relative to other games out right now, like a Spider-Man or an Alan Wake. There is something about Jusant that is just, yeah. it's just simple. And if I, like the rhythm of like hitting, you know, t- two different bumpers, at least you're playing with a controller to like get into a rhythm, like climbing up. The, the, the spot that you're about to hit is going to add some more mechanical complexity. Or I, I guess I would say complexity to sort of like the puzzle design. Yeah, of the strategy of the, maneuvering yes, up. Like, it's not a game, you can't die in this game. Like you are always tethered to something. It's just always just a matter of how much progress have you yeah. lost from like the previous spot that you've like placed uh, an anchor uh, as you're climbing. So it's really not a game about failure as much as about like brief setback uh, and just kind of taking in the vibes and the worlds and the art design. And so it's absolutely working for me as just a palate cleanser sort of game. And I like the fact that I know it's short, that I'm already halfway through it. I only got a couple of hours to go. Stands in nice contrast to a lot of other things that I'm playing. And so it works as as someone that likes to play a game, finish it, and then move on. 
I at least can bring in a game like this and it's like, oh, this can sit on the side. Like I can be still playing through a Spider-Man or an Alan Wake. And when I play this for only half an hour, you know, I don't feel like I make a dent in some games in half an hour. But with yeah. this, it's like, oh, like I've actually gone through a, a cha- like a chapter uh, at, at the end of it. And it's just, yeah, I just continue to like what this developer does. They take interesting swings. They're making games that other people aren't. And so there aren't a ton of studios where every time they put something out, I know I'm at least going to try it. And Don't sure, Nod yeah. is one of those. Uh, like I've just really connected with a lot of their style and approach and, and Jusant is a, you know, another one of those uh, that like fits with it. It fits within their house. I kind of, you made an interesting observation that the uh, character designs feel very much like yeah. life is strange too. Like the main <laughs> character looks like the younger, the brother, younger brother in, in life is strange too. And there's, there is kind of a house style the shared that, universe. Yeah. yeah. That don't not, yeah. Don't not has to some of their, 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 their art and it lives on, on here. So yeah, I'm anxious to, to see more of it. I'm with you. I, the note stuff, I like the stories that are being told in there, but especially because it's a game about quiet exploration. Yeah. I look, I'm with you. I, I understand the budget limitations on adding things like VO, but every time I'm picking one of these up, I desperately wish a VO would just start playing. And then I go back to exploring the world where I can yeah. hear a conversation happening between two characters while I'm also slowly climbing up a mountain that seems to fit what the game is going for in a way that is not present here. And I, I think it would have been, I think it would have made it easier to engage with that stuff, uh, especially for the more lengthy notes where you're hitting, you know, like the A button six times to go back and forth between these, with these two characters. I think it's, I think they're well written. I think there's interesting stuff there, but I, I agree with you that the presentation and implementation leaves a little something to be desired and, and could have been done a little bit better. Yeah, and I think there's times where um, the pacing works in that in its favor in that way, or maybe even just what I have to stumble across, where there was a section where I'm like, oh man, there's like eight notes in this little area, like, I, I can't keep doing this. And then yeah. after a while, there's like a break, and I'm like, okay, well now I feel like I've had enough time where picking up and sitting with one or two of these feels more doable than doing several back-to-back, because I just want to get back to climbing and walking around the little area. There's also a cute little pet buddy that you have, I forgot the name of the... Your little friend. Yeah, I don't I don't know the actual name of the, the creature. But they're like but, uh, they're like a little a little like kind of goo, a gooey little dinosaur yeah, looking thing. A little squishy. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's a little squishy pal. Squishy full of magic squishy. that makes you the look, vines grow. Yeah, you look at them and they're like a cute little baby, and that's nice. You know, I know it's a very like classic put pet in game, but like pet in game good, right? Like yeah. I, yeah. have I ever been yeah. mad Gun at Gun feel buddy? good. Pet yeah. in game good. You know, we're yes. very simple people uh, here <laughs> yeah. at Every Map Radio. Exactly. So that's cool. It's it's a vibey game to vibe to. I think mileage always slightly varies based on do you like how much do you like that movement and that feel? Um, I compare this game a lot to Solar Ash, even though they're very different in style. Ooh. But for me, Solar Ash is a game that I wouldn't, you know, praise super, super high critically, but I really love that game. Still haven't finished me it. Too. But I just love skating around. And uh, do I get lost all the so time? Great. Yes. Do I know what's going on? Not really. <laughs> Are there other problems? I guess, but I do not care. I put on my yeah. own soundtrack. I'll put on Spotify and I'll just z- zoop around and you see the pretty vistas and the colors are nice. And like, that's a game that I just, I love being in that world and I love moving in that space. And I think while Jusant doesn't hit the, well, I probably critically rate them pretty similar. Jusant doesn't hit the highs of Solar Ash for me, but that's purely due to 
an aspect of mechanical sensibilities where like I just jive with like the skating aspect of solar ash. But I think for some people, Jusant will kind of hit check that box for them where it's like that feeling of the movement. If you've if you liked the climbing in Astro's Playroom when you were in the little monkey suit, uh-huh. if you liked the climbing even in freaking Call of the Mountain on PSVR 2, then you'll it's the same kind of vibe. But, yeah. you know, obviously 3D, so it is different. It controls different. But that idea, if that if that's kind of stimulating to you, like, this is going to be cool. If you like looking at little vistas, if you like having little goop, you know, because again, the notes thing, you could always just skip them. And I guess for some people, maybe they wouldn't want to engage with a narrative-y game and not touch the narrative as much. But, like, I personally don't mind just going through and having that be a little bit of an option. And again, I well, think the environmental story, really there's enough fun. happening in the environment yeah. to give you a sense of like, basically the environment is telling its own story that is saying is just vague. Like the, 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 the notes are just specific stories. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you'll it's come the across in a ab- coloring book, but the environment, yes, kind of you still see the itself. outlines. Like you come to an abandoned farm and you can tell, Oh, this yeah. used to be an event, like this used to be a place that made food for I'm like, I'll this sense pebble. the story, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. And then you'll pick up a little, you, then you'll pick up a, you know, a, 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 a note and, it's, and it tells you a specific story about this farm. Yeah. But it, you can already get a sense of like the arc of it from looking at this abandoned place. They do a good job of, of playing in those, in those two worlds. Yeah. So I think the, the last thing I want to swing back to is what you mentioned with Donut as a studio. Um, yeah, for me, I, I am excited about this in the sense that, um, one, it controls super solid. Cause when I saw it at, I think Xbox showed it off at one of their showcases. And this was one of the ones I kind of popped for. I'm like, this looks cool. Will the feel feel right? And I would say it does. Like, I don't have any beefs at all with like the general mechanics of the game. I think they're very sound. I think they're fun. Um, It's simple while being like having a hint of realism where you kind of have to, you know, try to propel yourself, but it's not like hard. I think they kind of nailed what they want to do mechanically. But what's cool about this is it, while maybe the art design, you can kind of clock, don't nod. The genre is finally just pretty different. Again, it's, you could argue it's a narrative game and it definitely has narrative beats, but it is more of an adventure game with a narrative emphasis. And I know the studio's been pretty forward about being like, hey, we don't do Life is Strange anymore and we don't want to be like the Life is Strange studio and the game. And, you know, and I think even their projects that weren't Life is Strange, like Tell Me Why and the other one I can't remember, they weren't Life is Strange, but kind of were. Yeah, remember remember me. Right. I forgot. How could I forget? Remember me, Vampire. Both those, yes. both those were don't nod. Yeah. Um, at least Tell Me Why, because I'd, I'd played through that one. It felt very... Life is Strange. And I played that game thinking, if you want to not be Life is Strange, this might not be the best game to go, you know, style to go with. And I feel like Jusan is so distinctly, like, yes, it's Don't Nod, but it could have easily been someone else. And I wouldn't have clocked it as like a Life is Strange like. So I like the, I love that they're finally really starting to branch out. And I think, you know, one or two projects more in, they really will have kind of a new or modified or updated name for themselves, which seems to be creatively um a passion for the studio so i'm happy to see that this game is different and it's super solid to beloved by some uh some groups so i think that's like a great spot for the studio to be at and i'm looking forward to see uh what other kind of different kinds of games will come out of that studio that still have maybe some of those narrative sensibilities but that are wrapped in a much different packaging than before yeah agreed don't not only do life is strange games you know, the yeah. the new uh, name of the studio. Nailed it. Uh, we are going to do one letter before we get out of here. Uh, kind of, we should probably do like a letters podcast over the holidays, whether yeah. it's for over this coming Thanksgiving or clear. Or we got to clear Christmas the bucket. Stuff. 
Gotta we d- do. Dump so we the will, bucket. <laughs> we will do a dump. We'll, we will dump the bucket uh, sometime coming up. There's just been so many games, so much news. Yeah. That, unfortunately, like this part always gets left by the wayside, but we'll uh, at least uh, get one in here, uh, especially because I'm, I'm curious what, what Janet has to say. Uh, you can write in uh, to questions at remapradio.com. That has to be the way I remember it, Kato, because yeah. I know that part. It's like, what do you say during the email? The email question. Anyway, <laughs> uh, DW uh, from Seattle asks, hey, mappers, y'all are here about video games. Anyway, what's your favorite p- piece of furniture you have? I think mine's got to be the fridge because that's where the food hides. Though it is a fridge. <laughs> though is a fridge furniture or is it an appliance? What's your favorite <sighs> piece of furniture? And I guess what DW is saying is, that can be open to interpretation of what we're de- defining as, as furniture. I think it's a, mm. it's a, the first two pieces that come to mind for me are my lift top coffee table. I love a lift top coffee table and I didn't have one for, I had one like back in 2019 and then went a gap without I think having any coffee table or having just like normal ones. And now I have the lifty top again. What does I that mean? What is that? What is a lift top? So it's um it's just like a regular coffee table. You typically um with a pretty like heavy base, so it's not like versus a a simple one that's just like a t- a piece of wood with like legs. Right. Usually they are a little bit heavier. Um and you can lift up the top of it so that it kind of has a staggered look to it where ah. the top comes up and it's great for eating and watching TV, which I use it for a lot. It's great for like maybe I want to be on my laptop. Like I hate being on my laptop like having it on my lap even though it's what it's that's the namesake of it. I, I need a little bit more structure. So if I want to do work on the couch or something, I'm like, I just don't have enough ergonomic support to do it. And the Lifty Top Ooh. lets me do that. And then, of course, uh, the most expensive piece of furniture I own is my board game table. So I think that probably Whoa. has to take it because wow. it was such a dream with for me and my partner where we're like, when we get our own place, we're going to get the board game table. And we can play our board games with it. We take the top off. And then basically it's all about tops for me. Yeah. The top comes up, the top comes <laughs> off. Like it's all tops. <laughs> um, yeah, the board <laughs> game table is awesome. Uh, it's just like, I can't even, I can't speak highly enough of it. I mean, they are expensive. Uh, there's different companies that make different ones. I have friends that are crafty enough and handy enough where they can make their own, which is a much more affordable option for sure. We just bought one. And it's great for like, you know, we have a cat. So, in the era of having a cat, it's like, when's the last time we did a puzzle that we didn't have to panically do in one sitting or throw mm. into a room that we lock? Yeah. You know, it's like the freedom of pu- the, to have a game ongoing too and be able to still eat. Like we have, um, again, I talk about it all the time, but our slowly slow roll of Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, that's right underneath the table. Anytime we want, we just take the top, you know, get back into it. So that's Kata, probably my number one. You need that for Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could just leave Bloodborne, Bloodborne out. The table. <laughs> Hide it in the and table. It's not, it's, it's not a board game table. It's a Bloodborne storage device. Yeah. Uh, that in <laughs> theory Honestly, could yeah. Be a, you, could just, you could put whatever you want under there. Yeah. Hide your hide your secrets. Hide your mail. Whatever you want. That's uh, my, that's probably my favorite. I think in the apartment. This this I I've obviously I've not, I just not had had, bleh, had not heard the term lift top coffee table, but this would solve like a very so increasingly. So we have uh, in, in our in our house the. It's a split level, and on the lower level, we do have a projector. It was there. It was there when we bought the house. They were like, "Do you want?" It would be more expensive for us to take this stuff out and patch the walls. Do you want to keep this? And I was like, "Yeah, like keep the projector and the screen up." But it's actually too big to play a lot. Like I find it oppressively large to play a bunch of video games on. It's 
it's almost like too intense hmm. for a lot of experiences. And I find myself very distracted or hard to get into it. And I don't like playing in my office because I spend all day in my office. And so I've moved a lot of my gaming to the family room. But sure. what that has done is put just a shitload of clutter in the family room between the like seven different controllers and uh, charging devices and all sorts of things. And we need to replace this really old coffee table that is in front of our couch up there. It was old. It's not very ni nice looking, but it worked because our kids could mess it up and there was no harm, no foul. And sure. but it, we had a real, real incident where the kids were playing with, nail polish and stuff and got a bunch of glitter nail polish just spilled all over it. And it's just permanent. It's just part yeah. of that coffee table now. And it has got us thinking, okay, maybe this is the time to re replace that table. And something like this would be a beautiful replacement for, I love for it. that because I could put all my, my stuff in it. The only thing it would need, the only thing it's missing, and it does look like they have some of these, it needs to have, I have to be able to move it. Because we yeah. also exercise in front of that mm. TV, mm. and thus it needs to have wheels in order to to get out of the way. But it looks like these exist. It looks like there are I think so, yeah. lift tops with wheels on the bottom that it could be moved out of the way so that we could uh, could work out. Hmm. Yeah, we have bootleg Guitar Hero guitars inside ours. And, uh, nice. These gaming pillows that are basically the same structure as breastfeeding pillows, but I use them to game. <laughs> and they have like hey, gamer things Those on things them. are comfortable by design. Yes. That's the And also points. I'm like, great, you know, so what if it's basically the same thing? If I ever want to breastfeed in my life, I have the pillow ready to go. So I see no downsides to this product. All set, all set. Kato, what is your, do you have a favorite piece of It's furniture? hard. I mean, I think it might be this desk. This mm. desk is great. It's so big. There's so much space. I have so much trash on it. <laughs> That's the danger. What desk is it? If you don't mind sharing. It's um what what is it? It's a Jarvis. Oh yeah. L shaped. Yeah, uh -huh. It's an L-shaped desk is the important part. But I, I have Jarvis, yeah. I have three computers in this room and this this fits them all. <laughs> uh, wow. And also I can stand it up, which I do sometimes. Which yeah, is important same. because sitting down can be bad for you. Um, but it's like... I don't know, it's very solid. I spend a lot of time here. And, uh... Like, I was gonna say my couch, but I actually think our couch is a little too deep. It requires... Mm, yeah. It requires pillows to sit in... Uh, you can, like, put your feet up if you, like, you know, take your shoes off and, like, sit crisscross if you want. Like, that's how much <laughs> space there is on the couch. But, like, otherwise, it's a nice couch. It's it's good that it's deep because that's where I slept when I had COVID because it was the only um. way to, like, separate me from other people because uh, my wife had COVID first. So we just let her have the the bedroom. And I was like, I'm sleeping in the living room. And then I got it. So I was like, I, I'm staying in the living room because now the living room has been contaminated. Um, so the couch was a, a close second. But really, this this desk is awesome. It it nice. has so much space and better organization things. Like there's like little holes for cables and stuff. I use one of them. Yeah. The rest of the cables are not there. They're not in the holes. I gave up after the first one, <laughs> but it's cool that they're there. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. 
Uh, I think the Steam Deck OLED is going to be my favorite uh, piece of furniture. That's uh, what it's going to be. It's going to be a part of me uh, going forward. Yeah. So I think I think I don't have it yet, but when I do, uh, I think that might that might be it. Um, well, that's going to do it for Remap Radio. Uh, thanks everyone for listening again. You can write into questions at remapradio.com. What have we got going on this week? Uh, it was a bit of a shorter week. Uh, there's some travel happening on Monday. Then there was catch up on Tuesday. But Kato, Rob, and I did uh, another uh, entry in the Wheel of Shame, where we add games uh, that I have in my backlog or games that just came out that I haven't had time to start playing. Then we spin a wheel and spend some time with them. We, like, I mean, Kato and I discovered, uh, what's what was that game called? Um, Lunacid. Lunacid, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. J- this Kingsfield yeah. uh, style game. <laughs> it seems sick. Yeah. Uh, I'm, like, very excited <laughs> to get back into it with... Kato, they even have a character creator mode yep. where I was able to put it in a very old photo of myself. Like, please check that out at twitch.tv slash remap radio. You, you gotta go see Kenny P. <laughs> you gotta Kenny see. Kenny P, you wanna see? <laughs> what could that mean? What could that mean? Like, you can find out uh, if you check out that stream. Um, so we're a little light on, on streams this week. We'll be picking that up uh, next week. Um, we had an uh, episode of HOA. I go out this week in which Rob and I wrap up some car saga and then I introduce roof saga uh, into, into the mix. <laughs> um, uh, next week we'll have a lot going on. We'll be more of a, a normal week uh, for, for remap. So stay tuned for that. Um, Janet, where can people follow what you're up to? Uh, you can follow me on every social media platform, including the ones that have yet to be invented uh, at the handle game on It's game O N Y S U S. Same deal for my Twitch and my YouTube uh, currently streaming kingdom hearts on Tuesdays. I'm almost done. Uh, ooh, no spoilers, ooh. please. My first time playing it. Um, we'll revisit that when yes. you finished it. Very so curious. So much has happened to me. Uh, if you want to <laughs> watch it on your own terms or catch up, uh, it's on my YouTube channel. I upload the VODs on there slowly, but surely. And yeah, I don't know. I am traumatized by a lot of things that have recently happened in that game. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that sounds right. That I got to right. a, no spoilers, I got to a boss and, you know, you think you've seen it all. And then you're like, I miss who I was before this. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something in me has fundamentally shifted yeah, yeah. and I don't know how to get that piece of me back. So check it out <laughs> on YouTube.com slash Game um, yeah, if you've ever wanted to see me snap mentally, there's going to be a VOD going up soon where excellent. I lose I mean, my I didn't mind. Ha- didn't have that in my bingo card, but I'm willing to add it um, yeah. and, uh, and and find out for myself. So usually uh, I'm so level headed with like, OK, like, you know, we'll give it you know, like, you know what? What if we just lost all hope? You know, <laughs> what, if, <laughs> what, if what Kingdom Hearts does to everybody? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Don't worry, you have you have friends here. Um, thanks to everyone for, for listening. Thanks to Too Mellow uh, for the re- Remap Radio themed music. <laughs> you can follow more of Too Mellow's work at TooMellow.net. I really need Rob to get back here. I, w- I want to hear what Rob has decided. Rob usually does the intros and outros, and I want to hear how Rob has yeah. decided to, to address that. Uh, you can support everything that we do uh, by going to RemapRadio.com. See, I nailed it there because I wrote it down. Nice. Part of the outro. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, so next week you want to see, can Remap buy Remap.com? 
What is a domain broker? We're going to find out that <laughs> more uh, next week. Uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be back soon. Fuck capitalism. Go home.